opening up to what's inside that wants to come through and expand from us right. or through us. Because yeah. I, you know, at different times, people, when I tell the different stories, they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. How did you do all that? And it's, again, like I sort of said before, I'm not doing it. The yeah. times when things happen mm-hmm. is for me is when you allow it and let it to come through. To me, it's what is wanting to expand and move through me. And I recognize a lot of time I'm the block to that. And what we're seeing now, it's an opportunity for exactly the same type of thinking. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is the founder of PT Enhance, Gary Crozier. Gary has been involved in the fitness industry for over 25 years as a practitioner, innovator, and software developer. He has a passion for healing, self-growth, and discovery, which all started with his own rehabilitation from a life of extreme pain. His journey included 16 major surgeries, including a facial reconstruction and spinal fusion, overcoming lower body paralysis, toxic mold poisoning, chronic fatigue syndrome, and a host of other challenges. In the year 2000, Gary was named International Trainer of the Year, and since then he has become an innovator in the fitness industry, shifting the paradigm of the industry a decade and a half ago by creating PT Enhance, the first online fitness and health coaching software for health and fitness professionals. Hi, everybody. Today, you'll get to meet Gary Crozier, founder of PTEnhance.com, a web-based system designed to greatly enhance any healthcare or exercise professional's ability to design effective exercise programs for everybody from the seriously injured to the average person all the way to the world's most elite athletes. But the story of Gary's very challenging journey in the medical system, the many serious problems he had with intense chronic pain, what happened when he met me in 1997, and the 16 surgeries that followed is a true story of someone going through many painful lessons from the pain teacher all the way to being a successful dream weaver. Gary Crozier's story is one of commitment to his own healing that ultimately led Gary to creating the world's most powerful, effective online management system and support system for health and exercise professionals worldwide. As you listen to this powerful story, you are sure to learn a lot about how to turn pain and challenges into real opportunity. Yes, you too can get out of pain, become inspired, and do exactly what you'd love to do to make a great living. I'm confident there is something important in Gary's story for each and every one of you. Enjoy my conversation with a true spiritual warrior that walked the hell of pain only to get healthy, find his life's mission, create his dream, and improve the entire world of health and exercise management. Welcome to Living 4D, everybody. Today, I've got a very exciting guest for you, and the topic today is the pain teacher to dream weaver how to turn challenges into opportunity. The guest we have today is a longtime friend of mine, someone I have deep love and respect for. Him and I have been through a lot together. Uh, we've, we, we've worked together not only through uh, a lot of Gary's very serious health challenges and structural problems, but we have uh, grown our businesses together. And Gary and I met in 1997 in Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, Gary, uh, welcome to Living 4D. Oh, thanks, Paul. It's nice to be here, and I appreciate showing me around the place. I'm 
it's great to get out of the apartment. I was getting a bit feral down there. So, yes. I mean, this beautiful location you've got here and have the experience of everything. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty neat. <laughs> Gary just got to tour our new home, our rainbow home and our 14-acre property and our my office and house and gym. And so it's, a, it's the opposite of what most people are experiencing right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking my, yeah. <laughs> my mind's still getting blown just walking around here after being sort of stuck in my two bedroom apartment down in the uh, down in the village there. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad I can share it with you, and and uh, in many ways you helped me uh, get here. So yeah. thank you. And we'll we'll talk all about that. So you know, we were talking uh, earlier. We we were we, we were recording earlier, and then my gardener came up with uh, the tractor and made a hell of a lot of noise. <laughs> so we started over, but. Uh, we Gary was telling the story of how we met, and um, I was talking about how um, I had to leave the United States uh, because I couldn't get enough turnout to pay the bills at my workshops in the beginning because the Americans, uh, when I started surveying people and asking, why aren't you coming to these workshops? And what was happening is I was getting the most elite people. So I'd put on a class and I'd have like the physical therapists and strength coaches and athletic trainers from professional sports teams and big organizations. And I would say to them, well, how come none of your coworkers are here? And they all said the same thing because they found out you didn't have a college degree and they didn't believe you could teach them anything. I said, well, why'd you come then? And they said, well, I read your brochure and there's no way anybody that didn't know what they were doing could have even written what you put in there. And it was all very interesting to me. But uh, as many of you know from from uh, some of my sharings on the podcast, I ended up going through a bankruptcy and I was stuck. I had you know no option, but I had two offers come to me, one from Australia and one from New Zealand at the same time, one from massage school um, in uh, Adelaide, Australia, mm -hmm. and another one from a guy that was on the uh, New Zealand Olympic speed skating team. Uh, I forgot his name. I think his first name was Shane. Uh, but his parents owned a beautician school, and he really wanted me to come to Auckland and teach uh, scientific core training and scientific back training. Back then, it was scientific abdominal training. Uh, but uh, so he set it up, and that's when you – oh, actually, it was later that you found out because I already had been there for a while and had a batch of students. Um, so I was teaching a Czech level three, yep. and um, – so I'd probably been in New Zealand for a couple of years by then. I think I went over there in 95. Okay, yeah. Probably and, makes sense. and so then you were there with me in 97. So why don't you tell them, Gary, the story of, of how we uh, hooked up? Yeah, well, I originally got onto your work through Charles Poliquin because obviously you guys were doing work in the early 90s together. Right, yeah. And I was just such a mess and I had, I, you know, I'd gone through so many different doctors and, and I – thought this is a guy I've got to work with and I happened to look on your schedule and you were running your level three down there in Auckland I thought shit maybe I can you know get some treatment from you so I rang up Greg uh, I was in Australia in Sydney at the time and he uh, listened to my story and what was going on with me and sort of there was a long pause at the end of it and he said oh, I actually think you'd be really good as a case study for the level three yeah can you get over here and i I, I couldn't. I didn't really know how I'd get over there, but I just said yes, as I tend to, <laughs> um, and figured it out. So I ended up selling a car and, and doing a few things. to. And a few days later, I was on a plane to uh, Auckland, uh, and they were up in Kyber Pass there at the top of uh, Auckland City right. with uh, uh, Vince and Femke's Right, uh, in their gym. studio. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It's flashback time. So that was 1997, and so Gary sold his car and... 
at that time, my hourly rate was two fifty an hour, and so um, knowing what he needed, I knew he wouldn't be able to afford me to do a full assessment at full pay. So I gave him a, a very discounted rate, so that he could come be a student, uh, be a be a, a case study. But I did a, a full check practitioner level four quality assessment on him, and um, so. The interesting thing was uh, when I totaled up my bill, it was exactly how much money you had in your pocket. Yeah, it was. I was I was sweating like a Cuban in customs going through that course because <laughs> I was sitting down the back doing the math and I'm thinking I'm like paying per hour. Yeah. And again, I figured, well, we'll just figure something out. But I didn't kind of expect that. I thought, oh, maybe I have to, you know, work in Auckland for a bit and get a job and pay pay it off, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I had all sorts of things going through my head. But I'm sure, <laughs> um, you know, and so... The, the the fun part of the story uh that part is is that um so i finished it off and i and gary said well he, when i told him what, what he owed me he pulled out a pile of 100 uh, $200 bills 23 of them he said that's all the money i've got i said that's all the money you've got do you have enough money to get home no he says that's it i said you don't have money for food you i said wow I said, okay, well, we can't have that. But the, the, the back line is, is that while I was teaching the course, which is a nine-day course, almost every time I would ask the students questions and, and, and they couldn't answer the questions, Gary would pipe up. So he'd raise his hand and you know he'd be standing there laying half naked on a table and he'd raise his head and then he would tell me the answer. And I'm like, damn, this guy's, how can this guy be answering these questions? These are level three check practitioners. They've had, you know, they're in their third year of training and it's very intensive training. And this guy's answering their questions and he's an ex bar uh, bar bouncer rugby player mechanic plumber you know and i'm like this guy this guy's got his brain on after especially after like 20 concussions playing rugby and so i said to gary okay i'll make you a deal i said you obviously really should be a check professional because you're cut out for it i said there's no way you could be answering these questions if you weren't supposed to be here I, I I realized at that time that the universe had brought us together. And so I said, okay, Gary, here's 300 bucks for this course. And here's 500 bucks for scientific back training. So I went through all the prerequisites yeah. to become a Czech professional. And I said, here's my deal for you. Take this money, do all the prerequisites, become a Czech practitioner, because that's what you're supposed to be. Then I said, here's 500 bucks to fly home. Here's some money, a couple hundred bucks or whatever for food. And so a, a year later, I hadn't heard from Gary in a while. He, I gave him a very comprehensive program and I had to refer him to several different types of, of doctors and therapists because of what I found, which was very comprehensive. Um, fortunately for Gary, I'd worked with a number of cases like his over the years um, because I used to, you know, my specialty is medical failure. So I get weird, interesting cases from all over the world coming to me. But um, so I, I, uh, a year later, um, somebody, I think it was Penny, said, you're not going to believe this. Remember Gary that you evaluated it in New Zealand that was really injured and had all those problems? I said, yes. He just won the PT on, uh, PT on the Net Personal Trainer uh, of the Year Award for writing the best program. And I looked into it because I knew the owners of PT on the Net and there was you know thousands of people in the contest. I said, well, that that just fits my intuition beautifully. But yes, I knew he was meant to be a Czech professional, but 
you know, when I evaluated you, um, you had a lot of really complex issues. And you, as, as you were mentioning before, we got cut off by the tractor showing up. Um, you had pain all over your body. Yeah. Tell, tell the audience a bit about what you were going through. You know, it had been a lifelong thing, really. I'd had all sorts of different accidents and traumas, and you almost couldn't put a point in my body where there wasn't pain, and yeah. often extreme pain. I had my jaw broken in eight places, had a baseball bat to the head, had all sorts of different things you know, earlier prior to getting to see you. And I was, I was an elite-level athlete, so I continued playing sport. You just figure out a way. Yes. And you know, I didn't kind of appreciate till I met you like the wheels were falling off the bus. Yeah. Everything, I, anything I would do, would just was breaking down, and yes. you, were, you know, sort of showed me how I was in that real state of complete decompensation because my yeah. body had been trying to compensate. compensate for so so many years. And you know, it was it was. I have said many times that I feel like you know you saved my life because really that was I was in my last straw because I'd been to so many different doctors and and you know and. Therapist, therapist, and and the common thing that you, I've found in that arena, and you know, after going through your work and studying, and then then being able to go on and help people myself as well, I I came up earlier on that aspect of with the practitioner when the practitioner couldn't help you, their ego got in the way, and then they turned it around and would push push it basically back onto me. Make it your fault. Yeah. So by the time I got you, to you, I'd had so much of that just from a mental and emotional perspective of all these different practitioners blaming and and saying it was all on my head. Um, you know, and well, sort of some, some of it some was, was, but yeah. But, when, uh, <laughs> when I explain what was going on, they'll really understand that. But uh, yeah, so you had a lot of pain. Now you had a background in, in bodybuilding, and, yeah, and you played high level rugby, which is you know, there's the old saying, "Rugby players eat their dead." <laughs> Pretty much. And uh, I've played rugby, and it's painful. And uh, when you go to Australia and New Zealand and watch elite level rugby players beat the hell out of each other for a couple hours at a time. It's kind of like a, you know, it's just like being in a, a mixed martial arts match with a much bigger um, ring. <laughs> they say it's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. Yes, it's definitely. <laughs> it's a concussion making sport for and sure. Back in my day, the head tackles weren't illegal. So you could do stiff arms and coat hangers and things like that. Oh my so, God, yeah. Know, it's like, it was the Wild West really. Yeah. And, you know, by the time you got there, I'd already consulted for um, – I don't know how many rugby teams, but I ended up consulting uh, several of the main big time rugby union and rugby league teams and helping them with many of these kinds of traumas that nobody knew what to do with. Um, but when I evaluated you, um, you had some really serious complications. So just for those of you listening that may be able to follow this, Gary had what's called a crossbite. So if you want to know what a crossbite is, it's a growth and development disorder, which means one or both of your parents were malnourished and the gene transcription does not copy properly. So parts of the body can be longer or shorter. Um, you know, things don't fit properly. And um, crossbites are, are not common by any means, but in a, in a highly technical practice like I used to have, I probably would get, I'd say, two or three a year. And they all had the same story as you. It's seen tons of people, even Dennis, which is weird, and nobody even picked up on it. So part of what I teach in level three training for Czech professionals is head, neck, jaw, and cranial nerve function and, and all the things that have to do with the mechanics of the head, neck, and jaw. And so when I evaluated Gary's occlusion, how his teeth fit together, I noticed immediately that his jaw was shifted one full tooth laterally. 
So if you want to get an example of what that's like, just take your bottom incisor tooth, which is the sharp pointy one, and shift it so it's inside the tooth above it. Just shift it one full tooth to either side and imagine what it's like to try to eat, talk, swallow, and function with your jaw. So what had happened was is one side of his mandible was longer than the other side. So it pushed all of his teeth to the side. And whenever you do that, due to the intimate muscular relationships between the cranium, the jaw, the, and the upper cervical spine, and, and, and even all the way down to the collarbones, because uh, the submandibular strap muscles go all the way to your collarbone, it creates a head that won't sit properly because the body has to try to figure out how to get those teeth to fit together because if the teeth don't fit together every time you close your mouth, which is on average 4,000 times a day, they hit and slide because they don't fit, so they start grinding. And so it creates a huge survival reaction in the body because it's really a threat to your life. And so it winds people up at the core, like a primal defense mechanism where there's something going on, but they can't put their finger on it. Be like if you were scared all the time, but didn't know why at a very deep level. And so um, I realized right away he had a growth and development disorder. And, and so I had to send him to an orthodontist, which uh, ultimately resulted in, in a long number of surgeries, didn't mm. it? Yeah, I've had, what is it, six facial surgeries now? Yeah. 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 Amongst the 16 in total. <laughs> you know, and, and so, yeah, 16 total surgeries. And, and, and here's a, a true story for you. I hadn't seen Gary in a couple years. and I written his programs and give him, you know, the direction that he needed to continue his therapy. And he got to the right doctors and he had many surgeries. And I came back to New Zealand to teach a series of courses and workshops and check uh, training programs. And I was giving a one day lecture and Gary sat in the front row. I remember that <laughs> for the whole day. And I did not even recognize him because after all that facial surgery, you look so different. I'd been staring right at you in the front row the whole day and just thought it was another person in the chair. But then when you came up and talked to me afterwards, I was like, oh my God, Gary, you look so different because his whole face had been reconstructed, his teeth fit together and it changed the way you look so much. It, it literally stunned me. I'm like, I've never seen anything like that. If you listen to my podcast with any regularity, you've now heard of a number of cases I've been involved in that were serious, like Gary Crozier's was. Surely you've also come to realize that there's no replacement for organically and biodynamically grown foods if you want to be healthy and make sure your food and drink dollars are going to companies that are supporting the ecosystem of our planet. I realize many of you live busy lives and probably have little time to hunt down organic farms and farmers' markets, but it doesn't have to be hard to consume real organic foods and drinks. If you'd like to add real certified organic foods and drinks to your diet that is easy to use, fast and nutritious, there's no better place to start than Organifi. Organifi offers a wide variety of excellent, good-tasting, easy-to-prepare superfoods, protein powders, and drinks that my family, friends, and clients use regularly and love. You can taste and feel the nutrition right away, and I know you're going to love Organifi's great products. 
go to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And on checkout, use the code, all caps, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20, to get your 20% discount on any purchase. To get to know Drew Canoli, the founder of Organifi, listen to my podcast episode 64, Drew Canoli, UBU. Enjoy Organifi. Other things, you know, aside from all sorts of imbalances with core and muscle imbalance syndromes and stuff, I found another issue with him that's very unusual in that I do tests to determine the symmetry of the pelvis. And one of the tests I do is I put a special hip level on you and I measure you standing. And if the hips are not level, I know I have to measure the length of the femur and the tibia because you could have a a congenital growth and development bony leg length difference, which throws the whole system into a torsion and can lead to scoliosis and all kinds of problems. But um, Gary was way out of balance. Like, if I remember right, it was almost like an inch. You were almost an inch lower on one hip than the other. And so then I said, okay, now I need you to sit on this bench. And I, I use a real hard uh, weightlifting bench so that the, when they sit into it, their butt doesn't sink into it. And I remeasured them and it was the same. And I went, wow, we've got a deeper problem here than just a leg length discrepancy. You may have a congenital abnormality in your pelvis. And then didn't you come back to California and go to my buddy, Daryl Curl, and yep. we did a, a we did, specialized yeah. scanogram. Yeah. So we did a medical grade x-ray called a scanogram that measures the bones to their actual size. And sure enough, it was what, 16 millimeters? Yeah, Yeah, it was big. Yeah. And it was funny because I'd been saying to doctors and therapists all my life, it feels like I've got one leg shorter than the other. And it was like, well, no, you haven't. And it was literally, I think it was that that first day, I think you were doing Atlas testing and stuff and and you picked it up straight away. I was like, wow, that was worth the price of admission for a start. Well, exactly. (laughs) It pays to go to someone that knows what they're doing, right? They're just very hard to find, which is one of the reasons why I built the whole Czech system is because I walked, I traveled all over the world and I saw personal trainers didn't have a clue what they were doing. They were just doing what everybody else was doing and what they were reading out of magazines, but they had no knowledge of anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, biomechanics, kinematics, arthrokinematics, psychology. It was really, you know, what you and I call a rent-a-friends mm-hmm. sort of deal and just torturing the shit out of people with exercise. And, you know, the physical therapists were all just ultrasounding people and, you know, doing, forgive me if you're a physical therapist, but just doing stuff that isn't well thought out and often, not even productive and uh so i saw that there was a worldwide problem and you know i had spent so much of my life studying very intensely traveled the whole world working with the top rehabilitationists in europe and in the czech republic and you know so and i had a lot of clinical experience even then and um so i and i also have a long background as an athlete and in strength training so i could put all these different fields together and so Anyhow, you know, when we, we uh, identified that you had this, so you'd flown back and I wanted to confirm it on x-ray and, and one of my friends is a, a doctor who's very skilled at these things. So we found out exactly what it was and we got you a butt lift. So yeah. we, with a case like that, you have to use a butt lift because if the person like that sits down, one side of his pelvis is, you know, he was 
significantly smaller and so it would tip his whole spine it would be like if you sat leaning sideways about 20 degrees how quickly your back would just be in pain and and gary was doing heavy weight lifting and heavy athletic training with a crossbite and a serious asymmetrical pelvis, which means you're getting torsion from two ends of the spine. No wonder I fell apart. And from that moment on, no one ever sat beside me on the bus again, <laughs> which was great because you often have to adjust it. So yes. it would look like you're you know, sort of picking something or whatever or, or shifting your undies when you're on a bus. <laughs> I would get strange looks and it'd be a jam that you know, I'd be working in Sydney City and I was on the bus and, and people were standing up. They just wouldn't sit down beside me. So. <laughs> <laughs> the strangest things happen when you have these problems, right? Stuff you'd never it was think hilarious, about. hilarious, yeah. So I never had to worry about being squashed or cramped on a, on a bus seat ever again. <laughs> yeah. And I know we had all sorts of, I found core control problems in you and a lot of postural imbalances, muscle imbalances. Of course, the whole body was just completely out of balance, right? Yeah. Inside and out. Well, also by the time I'd seen you, I'd had multiple surgeries and I was, you know, from a young age, you know, I was cesarean for a start. So I didn't go through the birthing canal and oh. get that great bacteria and then from basically from birth I had really bad bronchitis so they pumped me full of antibiotics my first three or four years of my life wow so that's been a you know an ongoing journey so that was all tying into you know everything by the time I I came to see you Mm -hmm. so I think the analogy analogy you gave me was it was like someone had stuck me on an Amtrak and I'd been hit by a train yeah you know inside and out yeah and so we had to rebuild you in every direction yeah you know from You know, you got the whole shebang diet and lifestyle and we went through everything, you know, and and we worked together for quite a number of years Mm. to progressively get you through that. Even when you were back at work and things we were still working through and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very intensive process to go through that much pain, that much surgery. And as you were saying, the anesthesia didn't work on you. So you had to end up having surgeries with uh, no anesthesia. Mm, that was probably the most painful thing I've ever had in my life was the, the four mouth surgeries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was just horrific. Yeah. But, you know, again, as sort of, as you're saying, pain being the, 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 the uh, which we've got on the board here, pain is, you know, growth waiting to happen. It's yeah. certainly, if I hadn't have been through what I went through, I wouldn't be sitting here now. It's, it's, it's all necessary. And, I wouldn't have dreamed that I would have had the life that I've had and be doing what I'm doing now and even just sitting here with you, you know? Yeah, you, yeah. It's, you, know, it's if, amazing, you know, there's always a bigger plan. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. really what spirituality is about is growing your sense of connection progressively greater until you realize that you're an expression of the entire universe and, and what creates it and that there's a real invisible harmony to everything. It's, you know, part of it, I think, part of the challenge we all face is that we have to... Um, learn to listen to our pain when it arrives because it means we're going off course yeah and we have to get to the point where we realize our ego is not nearly as reliable as the witness behind it yeah and that i think that was a big thing for me and it's it's interesting i probably was a slower learner obviously that's why i had to have so much pain but it, it does you know it takes it helps you to sort of separate and have that not so much attachment to what's going on and that aspect of, you know, from a ego perspective, I like that analogy of, you know, we think that God is our co-pilot, but he's, he's not, he's the pilot and we're the plane. Um, so <laughs> exactly. if I stop trying to drive the plane all the time, maybe life won't be quite so painful and uh, have some of the experiences that, uh, <laughs> that I went through. Yes. And so, you know, you were, you were there 
in the fairly early stages of, of me, you know, I've probably done several hundred now seminars, workshops, and advanced training programs through Australia News. And I used to go over there for four months at a time. And I would go all around Australia, then back to New Zealand, and I'd loop back to Australia and, and do this twice quite often. So uh, by the time I was done with that, it was t completely exhausted. Yeah, tiring, yeah. I think I made that trip back and forth to Sydney probably 15 or 18 times. Well, I can relate hours. now after having with PT Enhance and starting yeah. in Australia, then moving here. In the first several years of the business, we were going backwards and forwards because of visas and different yes, things. Yes, I remember that. I can you totally were, relate. It's a, it's I definitely totally a, had empathy for you. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it's a real hope. But in those when I started, there was less than a dozen or a dozen and a half Czech practitioners in in Australia and the South Pacific. Right, so that was very early days down there. Yeah, uh, and so. Back in those days, you know, the whole exercise industry was very different than it is today. Um, as most of you probably know, I'm the one that introduced the Swiss ball to the gym industry. And so Swiss balls were, were something totally novel. And, uh, you know, almost everything you did in the gym was bodybuilding. It was all hammer strength, Cybex, Nautilus, and, you know, old funky stuff and yeah. old outdated equipment. And so you've seen me you know, create, most people don't know this. I invented the concept of the adjustable cable system yeah. up and down and the cable systems that are bilateral and multi cable systems and worked with the fitness works in New Zealand to produce the first models of those yeah, things. I remember which that. Yep. Now, now are worldwide industry standard. And most people haven't got a clue that I developed that either, but you were there with me when I was really revolutionizing the entire concept of what functional exercise is and, giving the scientific basis for why what people were doing in gyms and a lot of rehab programs was really just wrong, yeah. period. Yeah. And so you got to watch that whole uh, revolution go on, you know? Yeah, it was interesting because when I started using the Swiss ball in the gym that I was training at, I wasn't, it had to be locked up in the office and I was the only one that had the key and was allowed to bring it out <laughs> and no one else was allowed to use it. Yeah. And it was funny because, you know, all the trainers looked at me like I was an idiot. Yes. Um, I know them yeah. well. <laughs> Fast forward, you know, six or eight years and they're all using them, you know, not yes. necessarily correctly, but they're, yeah. they're kind of using them. So, yeah, it's been a – I just – to me, it feels like I've kind of been a real privilege to have watched your growth, but also through what I ended up doing and working with uh, PT Enhance and the practitioners and you know I've now worked with thousands and thousands of particularly Czech practitioners and personal trainers and yeah. health and fitness professionals just to see how this all has grown and it, it's amazing just the, the energy from from shifting those paradigms and kind of challenging what is going on which obviously wasn't easy for you at all no, no. Um, you know and the arguments and the battles and, and all the, yeah. the different things that, that sort of yeah. been through it's, everything from being told I was a complete fucking moron to doctors and therapists and people with fancy degrees going at me in conferences and uh, to their chagrin debating me because uh, I've never lost a debate yeah. and uh, I'm ready for them when they come and uh, you know the thing that made it hard for them is they couldn't wrap their head around how I could know these things without a college degree right so it was worse than hell to get beat by me in a debate in front of thousands of people or hundreds of people because this guy that just cooked you with your three or four master's degrees and your PhD has no degree, but you know, there's no, there's no replacement for common sense. There's no replacement for paying attention, right? For sure. I mean, that, 
I left school at 15. I didn't actually finish high school in New Zealand. Yeah. You, don't, you don't graduate. They have different qualifications. I got the basic qualification and then left school because I, I was with what I was going through. I had a lot of illness through my uh, teenage years as well. And so my high school, I was only there for probably a year and a half of the three years that I did high school because the yeah. rest of the time I was home, you know, with some illness or, or problem. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to get out. And my dad said, you can leave school, mate, but you need to get a trade. So yeah. I, I opened up the paper and the first job was a plumber and gas fitter. So I got that and that was sort of, that was the end of my, you know, traditional cool, schooling yeah. career. Yeah, I yeah. obviously did studies later in life and yeah. in the health and fitness field and whatnot. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of stuff obviously through you as well. But yeah, yeah it, common sense is... Not so common. Not so common nowadays. Paradoxically. <laughs> Even more so like right now, I'm sort of yeah, seeing yeah, like... Right, the whole COVID <laughs> thing, it's like, are you that gullible? You really... I mean, it's just like, we won't... We don't need to beat down that track, but I'll tell you what, you know, it's it's really amazing for me to watch how people fall hook, line, and sinker for so much lies and so much manipulation and don't ask critical questions, don't look into it, trust what they see on television and on the radio and in newspapers. And it's like, you guys don't realize that there's only about five people that own the entire media network worldwide. And they are very, very involved for financial reasons in exactly what you think is going on and much, much more. But you know, um, what, what's an interesting part of the story that I'd like to share as I'm trying to remember when it was, you'll probably know. I remember when you first came to me, how many years had you been working as a Czech professional before you came to me with the idea for PT Enhance? It was about six years. Six years, yeah. 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 Um, was that the time that I was... I met you in Sydney after somebody had died and you were a little yeah. bit turned inside out. Yeah. One of your friends died, wasn't it? Yeah, and my... Well, it's interesting, actually, and that whole thing about how life moves and one door closes and another door opens. I had a business that I was involved with in Thailand and my best friend was my business partner. Right. And he was murdered. Um, right. And that, I lost everything. Like, yes. lost all my, basically all, the whole business. Yeah. Um, and that was at the same time that I came, had sort of come up with this concept and had approached you and, and sort of we were starting to, I guess what was the the rumblings of what became PT and Hearts at right. that, at so that what, time? Yeah. What year would have that have been? That was two thousand and six. Okay, so that's yeah. the same year I started my PPS Success Mastery program. Yeah. So Gary approached me and he said, "Paul, I have an idea that I want to put in front of you, and I think it could really help a lot of people, and it could be viable for us as a business." And I said, "Hit me, baby." <laughs> <laughs> and so. You know, by now, I, I knew Gary very well. I knew he had developed a tremendous amount of skill as a Czech professional. I'd met people that he'd worked with and helped. So I knew Gary knew what he was doing, clear and simple, and he lived it th thoroughly. So he knew what I taught probably better than most people out there. And uh, Gary came up with the idea of creating a web-based system that people could use to design exercise programs manage their business and have a very comprehensive library of all the exercises I teach, which now there's like over 2000 yeah, exercises. Three, there. Yeah, yeah. And so that at any level from uh, pure rehab, all the way to the most elite athletes using kettlebells and functional equipment stuff, 
the personal trainer or or anybody, per, a physical therapist, check professional, could actually use the system to design their program. It would have videos for each of the exercise, and it would be a landing spot for the client to go pick up their new program. They could watch all the videos, and they could interface with their trainer, and they could use it as reinforcement. So even if the uh, therapist or coach or trainer was saying, okay, you need to go home and do these exercises, they could then go to their website, which the uh, exercise or healthcare professional gave them a pass to, and then they could get online management. So it took the, the disconnection out between personal sessions, and it made it a lot easier for them to remember things, and it gave health and exercise professionals a very scientific structure. You built a lot of advanced technology in there for rating the exercises, biomotor abilities, um, our whole HLC2 assessment is in there for the professionals and it calculates the stress loads. I mean, Gary did a lot of revolutionary software invention and technology and spent years and God, how many, what have you spent a couple of million dollars on this? Yeah, thing? we've spent several million dollars on it now and yeah. I'm into over 20,000 man hours into the, into the software. You know, that's what I'm holding up my hand and it's a zero a circle. That's what I knew about software when we started. Yes. You know, and do nothing. No, a little yeah. bit now. <laughs> bit which is, it, which is a great component of the story because a lot of people would have given up right there. It would be kind of like um, a doctor t uh, deciding he didn't want to be a doctor anymore and going into organic farming. He'd have to start from completely the ground up and his first thought would be, how am I going to make a living, right? Yeah. I have to... Yeah. You know, be like saying oh, a farmer saying, "I'm going to go be a surgeon." <laughs> you got four years of basic training before you even get into your surgical residency. But you took this thing on, really, which is quite amazing because most people wouldn't realize how advanced the technology you were developing was for the level of technology we had available in 2006. Everyone said I was crazy, had yeah. a rocks in my head, which I know you've been told many times. Yeah, you know, but I didn't say you were crazy. <laughs> no, no. I thought I was crazy sometimes, but yeah. you know, and it's that thing that we sort of talked about before, and I see it as we were going around your house here today. You were talking about the power of manifestation, yes, and that's something that kind of was always in me. But I think having met you and and the different experiences I had with you, and also honestly, just what I went through in life, yeah. it 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 should have showed me that there was, and I don't know what God is, but there is definitely some force greater than us guiding us and, and moving us through life. I don't know what it um, is either. I just call it God. Yeah, exactly. And so there's definitely, you know. And I know it, it's not an it. <laughs> and seeing that and seeing the flow of how things move through, because when I, once you said yes, yes, it was that same situation as in New, Auckland, New Zealand, however many years before, we didn't have the money, so I had to go out and raise the money yeah. And so to, to, to start. So we needed you know, quite a large chunk of money to start with. And uh, I can remember my buddy saying to me, like, how, how, how are you going to raise that gas? And I said, I don't know, because I knew nothing about raising money. I said, but it'll happen. And it's that whole thing of, of being able to trust and let go mm -hmm. and, and, and move with what is coming through us, wanting to expand through us. I often ask myself, you know, is this coming through me or from me? Right. And often my ego is trying to, if it's from me, it's trying to push things out. And somewhere, somehow, and I'm sure you were probably a, spark, a big spark of that, allowing this to come through because I'm, you know, it's getting down to the point where we've got, you know, a short period of time to get this money because time's going on and going yeah. on and.
Paleo Valley makes some incredible superfood bars that are a lot different than what most people think of as a superfood bar. I've got Autumn Smith, the creator of their superfood bars, right here to tell you about them. Autumn, what is so unique about your awesome superfood bars? Well, our superfood bars are unique because not only do they not contain refined sugar or GMOs or any of the freaky additives that you'll find in most bars or gluten or anything, but they're just whole foods. They're low in sugar. They're made with superfoods like ginger and broccoli and acerola cherry and collagen from grass-fed and finished animals, which we all know is like a fountain of youth. And so the best part about them, though, is probably the flavor. They come in chocolate and apple cinnamon, and we have so many more delicious flavors to come, and they're easy to put in your bag to feed for you with your kids. And I hope you love them all as much as I do. All you have to do to get access is go to paleovalley.com, and you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase C-H-E-K, 15, and you can get 15% off. And I hope you love them. That's awesome. And just so you know, that's P A L E O valley.com. And I know you're going to love Autumn's superfood bars. Um, I get a call. I, I did your, your first golf biomechanic course All right. in actually in 97. So I was a golf biomechanic as well. And cool. used to write for the Australian golf magazine and work with one of the top uh, coaching pros cool. and we used to work together and uh, so he, he gave me a call and he said he had a client that wanted to work with me and this particular client lived on Terry Hills Country Club uh, golf course which if anyone in Sydney knows is one of the richest courses in Australia so I don't usually go and see people but for some reason I, I, I thought I will so I'm driving there it's pouring down with rain on a Friday afternoon and I rock up and I go and knock on the door and there's no answer so I think bugger this so I'm just gonna go and jump back in the car and as I'm about to drive off my windows down I hear this hello hello and anyway so I walk back and I, I go and see and she said oh sorry I'm on you know it was on the other side of the house and when I walked in it was it was like your place this huge mansion yeah and um <laughs> hey I don't have a mansion I just have a nice big house it's beautiful I got lots of family in here <laughs> um and uh, I started talking to her and stuff, and she said, oh, you know, you should write a book about this stuff. I said, well, actually, look, you know, this guy Paul, you know, Paul Check has and explained about the book. And then I said, oh, and also I have this business idea. And she said, oh, you should talk to my husband. And I won't mention their names, but um, I ended up, her husband was the financial advisor for one of the richest men in Australia. Wow. So they were going to be the original investors. And I, they, they split their time between Sydney and Sandy, uh, San Francisco. And I was over here doing some filming work with you. And I went up to do the final deal up in San Francisco. And it didn't feel right. Oh. So I said no. And again, like everyone that I knew was, or not everyone, but most people saying, you're crazy. They want to, there's the money. And it just didn't feel the right energy. Yeah. So I said no and, and smart. Yeah. And left and, and came back to Australia. And again, my roommate, Mark uh, said to me, well, what are you going to do? Yes. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty scary, isn't it? And I just had this feeling like I said, I don't know, but it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and about a week and a half later, I get a call from my dad. Oh. And uh, he's dead now, but bless him. But uh, he was in the, had been in the hospital seeing his friend, and they'd known each other for 70 years. Wow. So they grew up together, and he had, his friend had had a stroke. And so he was in there talking to his friend, uh, Ian, and Ian's son, Paul, was over from Australia and was sitting there with my dad, and my dad wasn't the most tactful person. And he said to, he said to Paul, he said, you're looking a lot rounder than when I saw you last. 
which basically means you're, you're looking you're like a fat, fat bugger. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said, oh, yeah, I, am. I should probably get a trainer or something. And he said, to me, well, what's, what's Gary doing? I, I, I was, Dad said, oh, well, Gary's a trainer. Um, and then he said, oh, well, what's Gary doing? Like, where is he? And he said, he's in Sydney. And uh, Dad never really understood what we were doing with the business. And he said, oh, he's got this internet magazine sort of thing he's trying to get off the ground. Yeah. And so Paul said to him, look, give me a call when I, when I get back. And it turned out that we live right next door to each other. Encinitas Lacadia here in San Diego. Wow. He was, I was in South, uh, South Kilkill and he was in Harbord. So it's literally the suburbs at, attached to each other. Wow. So putting the story in context, I'd met Paul once in my parents' kitchen when I was 15. So I'm trying to think of how to build a rapport and I speak to him on the phone. And I, so I pick up the phone and, you know, trying to get this dialogue and stuff going. And it's that whole thing again of like, you know, I'm not doing any of this really. It wasn't me that was doing it. Um, and he said, so look, stop, Gaz. He said, any friend, any mate of dad's is a mate of mine. And it turned out Paul was the national manager for the investment branch of the Commonwealth Bank, which is one of Australia's largest banks. Wow. And he had like 400 employees or so underneath him. And he had a couple of guys that had made a whole bunch of money in software doing something similar like we kind of had done in the superannuation or retirement funds industry, uh, which you know Andrew and Bruce now. Yeah. Um, and so he said, look, I'll, I'll connect you because you know, they're perhaps looking to invest in something. So I, as it turned out, I rang up Andrew and Andrew was a young guy who was really into fitness. Uh, Bruce was a, an older guy, one of his mentors in the previous business. He was a Kiwi and he had a Czech practitioner as a trainer. Wow. And they oh, became the, that? the original major investors in the company. Because back then, there wasn't that many no. practitioners compared to today. Oh, heck no. No. So it's that aspect that people say, how did you do it? Or I actually didn't do it. I really didn't do anything. If anything, probably what I did is as much as I could get out of my own way. Yeah. So that's what Jung calls a synchronicity. Synchronicity. And you had several of them. you know. And they come to us when we're, when we're open to them and we can see what's right in front of us. But, you know, I think... As we grow spiritually, we come to realize that the whole universe is really a synchrony. And if we're not, if we're, if we're having too much pain or challenge in our lives, it usually means that, that we're choosing to be out of harmony with the flow of the Tao or the flow of nature or the flow of the energy in the environment or the flow of the, you know, the, the pulse of the planet, however you want to categorize it. But, um, so, you know, you launched this. It took a lot of time and a lot of money. I remember meeting investors with you. And, and basically what Gary did is he licensed my intellectual property and took kind of downloaded my brain and put it into software and made it so that thousands and thousands of people could actually use the uh, knowledge and the technology that I developed to help enhance people's lives and so where is it at today? Because I know you're going through a major restructuring. Yeah. So we've been in, in business now for 13 years, Yeah, which is an achievement. Uh, and we've just gone through a, a complete redesign and um, reskinning sort of of our current platform. And ironically, at the beginning of COVID, we just also decided that we're going to completely rebuild the entire platform from scratch as well. So we wanted to, to do some improvements and do some different things for our current you know, trainers and customers while we're rebuilding. So call me crazy, but I think as I was saying to you, I have like 20 odd plus thousand man hours invested into yeah. it now. We're now going to jump into probably another 15 to 20,000, you know, man hour project to do the rebuild. So mm -hmm. exciting though, because technology continues to shift. And that was the thing seeing back then, 
you know, um, by the time I started the software company or just prior to that, you know, I was working with trainers and mentoring them, doing different different uh, lecturing and whatnot as well. And what I saw there was that so many trainers were failing in the industry and not because yes. they weren't good practitioners. Uh, it was really because they didn't have that business type of mind or that system structure type right. of mind. And to me, they always looked like, well, there's ways that we can automate this. There's ways we can help improve and deliver that. And also just the ability to, to scale. Because, I mean, I primarily learnt the coaching model off of you mm-hmm. um, and that's what we've been teaching now I guess for you know for 13 years in the, in the software is that that aspect of, of working with people and coaching them and, and that's where software particularly comes in hand and as a valuable tool because it yeah. allows to automate a lot of that and, and allows tracking. to yeah exactly and just giving that support mm-hmm. and allowing you to scale and work with a lot more people you know I would say that, that we'd often when I talk to trainers use the simple analogy of you know, if, you, if you're working 30 hours a week is what you can do, say, for example, as a personal trainer. And most personal trainers, you know, that if they're doing that, they're wanting to get as many sessions with a client as they can. So say, for example, you've got 10 clients that you're working with three times a week at $100 an hour. There's three grand a week, mm. which sounds great. But then you basically tapped out. Yes, you are. What do you do? You know, it's a ceiling. Yeah, and that's kind of where we kind of work with trainers and getting the concepts of that's a PT model. Mm -hmm. A coaching model is I'm actually empowering you. Mm -hmm. I'm educating you Mm -hmm. and with the software and the things that we developed, it allows to further improve that education. So now I can still work 30 hours a week, but on a simple model, if I go, well, instead of working with 10 clients three times a week, I'm now working with 30 clients once a week. Mm-hmm. My, I've firstly mitigated a lot of risk in my business because if I'm working out, my, you're working with me three times a week and you go away, yeah, that's $300. Now, three people do that. That's nine, $900 I've just lost in my business. Yeah. And as we're seeing now with COVID and, and how that I've always thought thought the fitness industry was on a on a, a faulty model of that because it's all about in person and not that everything should be digital or, or distance wise no. but it makes you very vulnerable as we're kind of seeing now yes. you know yeah and you put them on on a coaching model you charge them for your programs you've got your software even if you just charge them you know 100 bucks a month which a lot of our, our guys and girls do on that model you've just automatically put three grand into your revenue yeah. You know, and you've also spread your mitigated your risk from a training point of view. And I think you know? you know, there's a lot of benefits to the program if you're a health or exercise professional, because as you and I both know, the one of the biggest challenges all people have that have come through my education system, I don't care what their background or degree is, is writing a program scientifically. Yeah. Yep. And it's just it was like a lot of my instructors even had a really hard time mastering that. And so you really put technology together to help people do a lot better job of assessing people, writing the programs, managing the data, um, giving them visual input to master the exercises, uh, follow-up reinforcement. You have business management, you have scheduling in there. I mean, it's a really like a, um, it's kind of like having your own, uh, you know, like James Bond has his money penny. I have my penny and you made a penny for everybody else. Yeah. And that was the vision back in the day. I didn't quite appreciate what it was going to take to do that. No. Yeah. But, you know. And, well, being and God's really hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it can be fun times too, though. Yeah, it can, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that was that aspect. And also having it something delivered at a low monthly service. So not having to have a whole bunch of different softwares. And, you know, we, it was a challenge. Yeah, many many times, I, I you know we were on the brink. Yeah, and and oh, that's yes. that that aspect of having that faith and that kind of that belief and that that vision and being able to 
let go yeah. of how I think it should be yeah, <laughs> and then allow it to be what it is. Yeah, and you know, you and I have been together now as friends and, and collaborators and, and me cooperating with you because obviously I have a stake in PT Enhance with my intellectual property in there, but we've been riding this wave for a long time now, 17 years, right? So uh, we met 97. Yeah. So, so you said 23 years. Yeah, 23 yeah. years. 23 years. Yeah. So Gary and I have really kind of in many ways grown up together. We've had many of the same challenges. We've both had bottom of the barrel money issues. We've both had women issues. <laughs> you know, I had mine, I got through mine quicker until I found Penny and that took care of that. But um, I'm a slower learner. <laughs> oh, well, you know, um, I can teach you some tricks. Uh, but, you know, we've been through all the challenges of staffing and how hard it is to find good people. And, and we both introduced advanced technology in a market where people had a hard time realizing what the hell we were offering. And it took people a long time to come around. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, both of us were told by many people that we were crazy and it would never work. But here we all are, right? Very true. And I think that's, you know, such a great point that all of us can do this if yeah. we can kind of let go and, and, and trust. And there's a lot of, and I'm not sort of meaning to, or not really, you know, going to the whole COVID thing, but there's a lot of fear and a lot of, Lack of trust. Yes. And, you know, we've actually been really busy throughout the yes. this period of time and talking to a lot of trainers and, and going, okay, that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. We've got to let, let go, surrender to the aspect that, that that's gone yeah. and learning to pivot yeah. and, it, and opening up to what's inside that wants to come through and expand from us right. or through us. Because yeah. I, you know, at different times, people, when I tell the different stories, they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. How did you do all that? And it's, Again, like I sort of said before, I'm not doing it. The yeah. times when things happen mm-hmm. is for me is when you allow it and let it to come through. To mm-hmm. me, it's what is wanting to expand and move through me. And I recognize a lot of time I'm the block to that. And what we're seeing now, it's an opportunity for exactly the same type of thinking. I knew nothing about software at all, but you figure it out. Mm-hmm. And in the industry now with not just personal trainers but health and fitness professionals because the health and fitness industry has taken a huge as everyone is right now a huge hit but I think it's an amazing time because it's woken people up in a lot of ways to what's one going on inside them yes for sure questioning a lot of things thus the high rates of suicide exactly yeah and also in turn opening up to the possibilities of other things yes and obviously technology is one of those things i i i'm not a ironically i'm not a real technical buff yeah um, i'm the guy that would, was sitting behind the computer you know screaming at the tech team saying where's the damn button yeah. and they say gary it's the big orange thing right in the middle of the screen staring you in the face <laughs> um, so oh i'm not gonna throw you know yeah but you know there's a beauty in that too because I'm that way with computers, you know. I, I know the programs, they work really well, but God forbid you change one because I'm like, I'm busy, God damn it, I got shit done, I got to get done, I got deadlines, I don't want to have to learn a new software program, tell me how to work this thing. But the point I'm making is because you came in with that sort of virgin um, mindset, didn't really know what the hell was going on, you were a great litmus test for the rest of us because if you could understand it, I could probably understand it. You know, and I think that might be the gift uh, hiding, you know, the, the silver lining behind the cloud of grade of like, oh, you know, 
technology is not something I'm into, but here I go. Yeah. <laughs> but you learn and you, you do what, to me, I've kind of always, it's like you figure stuff out. I guess being a Kiwi, we're a small nation yes, and we tend to punch above our weight in the yep. world and most things. Yes. And you just figure stuff out. And I think that's really important, that aspect too, of not just being looking at figuring stuff out, just be, being willing to to change and, and, and look at things differently. Yeah. Because, um, you know, again, I, I think right now we're in an amazing time mm-hmm. to be able to – I'm real curious because, you know, there's sort of both sides of the equation, the people the world's coming to an end or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's been happening forever. Yeah, funnily enough, I've heard that story Apocalyptic before. Apocalyptic <laughs> prophecies. <It sounds> familiar. <laughs> there have been many of them all the way since the Bible and even before. <laughs> but I love to come more come from a space of curiosity. I'm like, wow, human beings are amazing creatures. Yeah. And they're amazingly resourceful. Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know because w- w- when we haven't created it or it hasn't been created through us. Yes. So I'm real curious and excited to see what happens over the next period of time because there's going to be so much creation because there's so much opportunity. Yes. Like, you know, f- myself, when all the different things I went through, the surgeries, the accidents, the, you yeah. know, the, the horrific pain and whatnot, I met you. Yeah. And then the next thing happened and then the training happened and then I you know, won the International Trainer of the Year and then I got into the software and yada, yada, yada. And it continues to happen. But that's, that's not my story. That's everyone's story. It is everybody's story. But as we've discussed, and as we both know, you have to be brave enough to hold still and not let your fear be your seeing eye dog or you get trapped in it. You get myopic. And you, you, you have to be brave enough to keep your heart open. I think this is why having some kind of spiritual practice to ground you is so important. How did, what was your spiritual practice that got you through all that pain and all these challenges? Like, well, how do you anchor yourself? What is your, what's the keel on your sailboat? What do you turn to when, when, it, when it's looking tough, looking bad, looking scary? Well, if I kind of backpedal to kind of where it all started, when I was very young, I've had a lot of death in my life. Mm-hmm. And when I was uh, six years old, one of my best friends um, had a brain tumor and was in a coma for two years at home on a respirator before he died. Wow. And I used to go and visit him, and I would talk to him, and I kind of wouldn't not you know, physically talking to him, but kind of energetically. So I yes. guess I kind of always had some sort of connection there, and that question of asking, and didn't really know, but seemed to continue to meet people. I started weight training at the age of 11 years old, and mm-hmm. the guy that introduced me to it uh, was the guy by the name of Bernie Walsh. And my dad had an old-fashioned grocery store, and I, uh, I basically grew up in there. I couldn't see over the counter. We used to stand on milk crates to serve. And Bernie was one of the customers. Mm-hmm. Bernie was an ex-professional strongman. Oh. And he was also into Eastern philosophies. And this is back when I'm – like I'm 52. Yeah. So I was 11. And his kids were going to Steiner schools back then. Wow. And he was uh, tapped in. Yeah, yeah. So I met Bernie. And he would give me all sorts of different – books to read and and he gave me my first uh, magazine was the old Iron Man magazine and uh-huh. back in those days it was black and white yep. a color co- co- cover the front half was bodybuilding the back half was Olympic weightlifting mm. um, so but he was and even those magazines kind of I guess through Perry Radar had a little bit of a spiritual influence to it mm-hmm. and Bernie was kind of a spiritual guy so he kind of connected me with I think with that aspect in myself but I sort of have never really wanted to drink the Kool-Aid of anything. If it made sense, I would integrate it. If it didn't, I wouldn't. Right. So I kind of over the years continued to, to study and, and, and just get exposed to stuff. And, you know, the biggest thing for me, I guess, that I've learned is that 
coming to the concept of, at the end of the day, everyone and everything is on loan to me. Yeah, I, I understand that perspective. Whether it be for a day, a week, a month, a year, or a lifetime. We, we, I, we I die, right? Yeah. Yep. As, as Jesus says in the Bible, a rich man can no sooner get to heaven than a camel can get through the eye of, the, of a needle, <laughs> yeah. which means all that comes with you is what you've become, yep. which is a is really the flow of energy and information, which we call spirit and soul within each of us. And it's not weighable or measurable. You know, at one point, some point it'll be weighable and measurable because they'll be able to convert it into data, right? Yeah. Um, I'm it's not, above my pay grade. Yeah. It's, <laughs> at the it's, moment. Well, you know, the thing is, is <laughs> without going into a segue, there's all sorts of challenges with that because a lot of people think they're going to be able to download themselves to a computer, but that's a complete misunderstanding of what it means to truly be a human being. And it, it makes the assumption that we're really just a data set, which yeah. is, which is, it, you get that kind of idea because there's so many left brainers now looking at the universe as a digital reality, as a um, simulation. Yeah, and there's some truth to all of those things for sure. But how do you define the intangibles, though? You can't. And the other thing is, is it's almost it's uh, part of it is a case of trying to fit life into a box that you've created without realizing you were created by life. So you know, it's kind of like. Um, the old saying, the watch can never figure out its maker. Yeah. The maker can figure out the watch, but the watch can't figure out the maker. We're the watch trying to figure out the maker and making big assumptions. Hello, everybody. All of us at the Czech Institute are excited about releasing our new golf performance specialist online training program, and we're happy to be able to offer you a chance to pre-order the course and get a special $100 first access discount, which is available right now. I developed the Golf Performance Specialist program myself because there was no program in the world that offered a holistic, integrated approach to assessing the golf athlete and getting them balanced, healthy, and performing better. Through my career as a rehabilitation and performance specialist, I've worked with a long string of golfers that were injured and suffering performance plateaus that weren't getting results until I applied the integrated holistic approach I share in the Golf Performance Specialist program, which teaches you how to customize your programs to each individual's needs. Most of them caught in the traditional mindset of trying to adjust swing faults by modifying their stance or buying new golf clubs only spent thousands of dollars that didn't help their game. But after applying the principles and practices I teach in this program, came to fully realize that it's the golf athlete that plays the game, not the club. Not only does having this specialized training give you the skills to work with some of the most commonly injured athletes and enthusiasts, it gives you access to millions of people that have the finances to afford your expertise. Regardless if you're a physician treating sports injuries, a physical therapist, chiropractor, osteopath, massage therapist, conditioning specialist, or a player that wants to optimize performance, this course teaches you key assessments and how to address common muscle imbalance syndromes, identify and activate inhibited muscles, optimize core function, and clearly shows you how to progress the player through the essential stages of flexibility, stability, strength, and power development. To pre-order your e-learning course now and receive a special $100 off first access discount, go to checkinstitute.com forward slash GPS online. That's checkinstitute.com forward slash GPS online. I know you're going to enjoy this course. It's very powerful, very holistic, and it works extremely well. 
what I was wondering is, what, what do you do? You use prayer? You know, I know you, you did a lot of Tai Chi. I taught you yeah. Tai Chi, didn't I? Yeah, I do a lot of prayer and meditation. Um, I have had a lot of, as you would imagine, over the years with the all the injuries and accidents and trauma and stuff, and particularly head traumas. I've had a lot of those. Yeah, you know, I suffered with depression and anxiety a lot throughout my life. Yeah, and, and so, and I would funny. I would say when I was after being exposed to you and working with the the real, you know difficult people that I ended up working with in yes. later, later stages of my career, I would say to them, it's a gift or a curse, depending on how you look at it, because I think it's a gift. It, in my earlier life, I thought it was a curse. But in essence, it, it's, it's getting these practices in play to be able to be still and kind of connect with that aspect of, it is all on loan. I don't know what tomorrow holds. Ultimately, all the stress that I come across in life mm-hmm. and have found has been me attaching to my story because it's only a story it's not true of how my past was mm-hmm. and the story i'm creating about the future right. which none of them actually are true because my past isn't even how i remember it because it's a it's a story that i'm creating now through the filters of my lens at this moment in time right most so, of us do that and don't realize how much we're changing but when they do uh, analysis of factual occurrences in people's life first what they write in in a biographical like an autobiographical accounting they find that there can be very significant differences well it's that whole thing i never ever hear what you say i hear my version of what i think you say right yes <laughs> thus the Which is so far from the technique truth <laughs> in nonviolent communication communication repeat and reinforce yeah. so what i thought i just heard you say gary was and you either say yes or no but oftentimes it's no that's not what i said at all and you're like oh really well what did you say <laughs> isn't that where all the problems come in life is lack of understanding and taking the time to uh, to reflect and ask questions to yeah. make sure that you understood what i said because we agree and i'm thinking you've agreed it's an orange yeah you're thinking i'm agreed it's an apple so we shake hands and we go off and we're happy yeah. three weeks later we're in a, a big brawl and you go well you said it was an orange i go no i didn't i said it was an apple you said it was an apple too yeah you know it's that whole aspect of of, of not being able to connect so through the meditations and stuff, probably one of the most useful things I found with pain was the it, – it's a different type of meditation and a different type of focus of rather than focusing on your pain, mm-hmm. I would ask myself the question because I had extreme pain yeah. for, for decades. Yes. Um, and so I would go, hmm, where am I not feeling pain in my body right now? Mm. And I would focus on that. Very good. And that is what would has got me through some of the most difficult times mm-hmm. that I had because I had the facial reconstruction. That's a massive amount of that's hardcore pain. Dude. Oh shoot. And because of that surgery, the initial surgery was an eight hour surgery, which fortunately medications worked. Um but after that, I several years later, because of the surgeries, it was so invasive, I had really bad gum. Receding, or- well, gum, gum receding. Right. So uh, there was a, there's a procedure called pinhole gum restoration, and what they do is they drill pinholes in your gum, and uh, literally separate the gum from the teeth. Right. They do one upper. And, I remember yeah, when you had that yeah, done, and then they pull it down and then put collagen strips in, and the anesthetic wasn't working. So I had pretty much most of that surgery um, without having. Any, benefit of, of any painkillers. I remember after you, um, you did that, you told me, I think you said it was the most painful thing you'd ever been through yeah, in your life. Yeah, what I did during that time though, which probably saved the dentist from having his head ripped off, um, which I almost did afterwards because he said, oh, geez, you're a tough bugger. How did, you know, how, and it's like, what am I going to do? You've got 
you're cutting, you've got halfway through a surgery, cutting my mouth to bits. Yes. And he goes, oh, we should have knocked you out completely. Um, oh, yeah, thanks. But uh, what I, in those moments, it was really about focusing on, on like, okay, where am I not feeling pain? Yeah. And that kind of was an extreme example of it. Um, and it's interesting when you do that, how you can kind of shift and also, also kind of train your brain. Because yes. as you well know, I mean, I work with a lot of chronic pain people for many, many years. Yes. And pain becomes the most constant in, our, in their life, in our lives. Yes. It becomes our best friend. Yeah. It's almost who we define ourselves by. Yes. So it's like you wake up and you're going, oh, what's, what's hurting? Yeah. And I found through those types of meditations, it was a way of helping to train the brain mm-hmm. to, to actually not be thinking about what's hurting, thinking about what's not hurting. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, almost like that gratitude practice, but in a, in yeah. a sort of a different way. It you just know? shows you how powerful um, directing our awareness is, right? The ego can only focus on one thing at a time. So if you're focusing on your pain, you're certainly not focusing on the part of your body that doesn't hurt. If you're focusing on the part of your body that doesn't hurt, it's going to bring your awareness to that and ultimately what does hurt has to fall into the background to some degree because we're designed for linear processes in our conscious system because if we get distracted when we're running from a lion or hunting, we, you know, we won't eat and we might de- be dead. So we, we can process pain and emotion and proprioception and interception and extraception, sensory uh, feelings on the out of the body, introception, the feelings inside your body, and proprioception, the feeling of movement in parallel. But we cannot focus on those things um, with a conscious mind in parallel, or our brain would be so overwhelmed Just with fried. information. You know, yeah. Yeah. there's you know uh, about th- current research suggests about 30 billion bits of information a second flowing through the human nervous system. Uh, a typewritten page is about a thousand uh, bits. So you got 30 billion bits of information. So that's like an Encyclopedia Britannica coming through you every second. But the ego can only focus on, the conscious mind can only pick up 10 to 100 bits a second, almost all of which are based on the uh, person's perceptual, conscious and unconscious perceptions of what survival is. In other words, of the 30 billion, the 10 to 100 we choose every second are based on our programming on what we think we've got to see to survive. So the thing is, you realized you had to see a part of yourself that wasn't in pain to survive. And by directing your awareness to maybe your right big toe or your ankle or your foot while someone's cutting your face apart, you were able to actually segregate your mind's focus away from the conscious realization of that much pain and at least dampen it to the point where you you wouldn't want to commit suicide. Yeah, and I think that you know we talked about the gifts and pain, and that certainly is, I think, a, one of the real gems that often pe- people don't necessarily uncover. Yeah, um, is that aspect that being able to learn that, and I sort of see how it's been, and I didn't realize I was kind of doing it in my not just my physical life, but also in my business life in different ways of of how, and that comes down to what you were sort of talking about before about that aspect of manifestation. Yes. And focus, and we see it now with all the different you know research and the writings and things that people are are promoting a lot more nowadays. And ultimately, that's really what a lot of what it is, is it? You're coming down to a more of a narrower focus, and from an intention point of view, you're putting that energy into that. That's the secret word, and and you know, it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not. If you understand basic science and ba- like just basic physics or basic um, you know electricity circuits. 
science shows that there's nothing in the universe at its fundamental level but energy and information. And we know that we have two key polarities that drive everything in, in the whole electromagnetic field of life, which is, you know, everything from light to stones, really. Um, an atom is an electromagnetic reality. But we have these two polarities, positive and, and negatives. But you can't have a positive or a negative without potential, can you? Mm-hmm. Right? So no, we, whether we, we don't know where the universe came from. They, they say it came from a Big Bang, but they don't know whether that was the first or the millionth or the trillionth or the uh, uncountable number of Big Bangs, right? So they just make an assumption that was the beginning. But really, the, the, the real evidence points to the fact that it was not the beginning. But all I'm saying is a, a universe that begins from nothing is a negative. There's nothing there. Then it becomes a positive. You have a projection. You have rocks, stones, planets, stars. There's a positive, and it's in the background of empty space. There's the negative. But something has to be the potential to create those two possibilities. A negative has no meaning without a positive, and a positive has no meaning without a negative, and neither of them can exist without potential. So what I'm driving at that's so important is that when we're talking about manifestation, we're talking about um, creating a business, even in a time of crisis like COVID, and saying, okay, I've got to do something else, yeah. or working through tremendous pain, what people don't realize is that the word intention means to put potential into tension. And whatever is the background potential is the functional equivalent of God, because it's the source of all that is, regardless of any scale something has to come from something. So if you keep going backwards till you hit a dead end, whatever you want to call it, potential, avoid, God, it doesn't really matter. It just means you got to the end of the line where there's nothing else you can say came from that. You know, if you if you say, well, there's a devil. Well, then you have to say, who created the devil? Well, who created the devil was God. Therefore, you have to say, well, God, the devil is God's creation, maybe because most people treat the devil as it's another God. And therefore, you have two gods. But then where do they come from? So you yeah. see, once you get to the reductio ad absurdum, where there's no place to go, then you have found what the word God means. And so what I'm saying is that's pure potential. Because you can't say God is the universe because the universe had to come from something. And what it's what I'm saying is that that in, in an electromagnetic circuit, that's like an insulator. It's neutral. It can't be positive or negative, or current wouldn't flow. So you just have the equivalent. You know, the analogy I often give is a battery. You know, until you hook something up to it, you just got potential sitting in there. But once you turn the ignition on in your car, it draws potential because you had the intention of using the power to activate the starter circuits and the electronics in the car. And therefore, the engine turns on. So what I'm really driving at is that what people don't realize and what our whole story is, is you and I have both learned through lots of practice and lots of challenges to focus our intention and know that we're drawing potential from potential into action. And so therefore, the word intention, as I teach it, means to put potential into tension, which means to polarize it. Because if you put it into a, a circuit with a positive-negative differential. So the way we create a, diff- a differential when we want to create something is you say, Gary Gary says to Paul, I have this idea for this amazing online platform that'll help people all over the world develop better exercise programs and manage clients. 
but the idea is not embodied yet. So paradoxically, you have a negative film imprint. There's the negative. Mm -hmm. And now we have to pray and move our feet. And every step we go, we're creating the positive. And then when it's complete at a certain level, there's a sense of awe and relaxation. Then we diffuse the polarity until someone says, oh, Gary, you can make it better this way. And now we have another dream goal or objective, which creates another negative. But if you take your intention off growing PT enhance, or if I grow, take it off check instant and say, oh, you know, I'm going to run around full with women and be a jet setter. Well, then you've taken the energy out of your dream and it begins to diminish because it's lost the flow of your spirit. Yeah. Intention is what conducts spirit into manifestation. So, you know, both of us have learned the hard way in many instances, don't get distracted stay connected to your heart. Don't let the challenges scare you. And you know, you, you know, very well, like I spent a lot of time, energy and money worked with a lot of people and went through a lot of challenges while you were going through yours to get the Czech Institute to be digitally um, functional. And so when COVID hit, paradoxically, people are freaking out and, and you know, losing jobs and losing money all around. But we had our third best month of sales in the history of the Institute. I think in a very short period of time, we sold, uh, you know, I don't know, almost 200 HLC ones online and it cost us a lot of money, went through a lot of hassles and we used to hardly get any activity when we spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I imagine we probably spent $200,000 building online platforms and we used to pay high rent, uh, to idea and we weren't getting very much action that we all sort of prophesized this was going to be a necessary thing. Yeah, yeah. And so when COVID hit, it was almost as though the universe said, thank you for listening and here's your reward. <laughs> yeah, like totally. Our, our story is very similar with that, Paul. And, you know, as we've sort of talked about before, I've, I've always thought the fitness industry model was, was a flawed model or a model that was very vulnerable for this type of stuff that was part of in essence where the the software aspect came that not that everything has to be online but having different verticals in your business and even when i had my training business and my clinic back in australia i was a golf biomechanic and i did massage therapy and i did mm -hmm. a few different things and i would always look at it as have different streams coming into my business or the business because that's something I'll, i've learned the hard way um which i'll mention in a moment but having different streams come in because they're all not going to be overflowing at once no. and they're all not going to be dry at once right. not that you try and do everything yeah but it's it's recognizing and, and you know i think uh, I, I one of the i have different business coaches and stuff that i've worked with over years and been fortunate with some really cool spiritual guys that i've that i'm working with um and but one of the was reflected back to me i said you know it, what you've done so much is mitigate risk. Mm -hmm. So you're looking, and that's, I think, as a business owner, it's, it's, there's a two, two pronged approach of thriving and, and, and expanding as much as possible, not being overly pessimistic, but also just kind of being, having that reality of, of mitigating risk. Well, okay, if X happens, you've kind of got, you've got a plan B. Yes. Um, you know, I've kind of learned that probably the hard way from having no plan B a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, you don't focus on plan B, but it's it's that aspect of looking at that. And, you know, the other thing I think you were saying, how do you get through it? And for me, what it is also, it's a, it's a, it's surrendering and detaching to the, not just the process, uh, sorry, not just the outcome. Yes. Because that 
used to beat me up a lot and, and st it still does at times without caught up in it because if I think what the outcome I wanted or I wanted that ego talking now yes. <laughs> back in not, uh, 2006 yes. as to where we are now and where we're going it's nothing like that Yes, um, and so it's being open and letting go of the you know that, that outcome but what I also have found over the years is that the ego can be quite seductive and letting, letting you let go of the outcome right. but heavily attaching to the process <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> and it's you've got to just got to let go to it attaching to the outcome or the process and be mindful and be open but like as you say it's not that you don't do anything i, I really love that analogy of pray and move your feet yes because it's not about not doing anything but it's listening and being mindful and seeing what comes through yeah and just the persistence as well yeah because geez how many amazing people have we had in the history of humanity that show us you don't get, you don't hit it out of the park first time at the bat no <laughs> and even if you do it might be uh, uh five years before you do it again exactly so you, your ego might get a little overinflated. <laughs> so it's you know for me it's constantly remembering and reminding myself of, okay well, we found out another way of how not to do it right and, and you know that's the that's you know one of the things that's kept me going that's right in line with that as you know, I studied the biographies of about 125 of the world's greatest thinkers at this point. And uh, I, I really learned early in my life, if you want to be successful, you have to study successful people. If you want to get strong, you got to study strong people. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying Gary Crozier's story of going from being completely broken and broke to becoming a Czech practitioner and ultimately an International Personal Trainer of the Year winner. When I was Gary's therapist, one of the issues we worked on was improving his digestion, and that commonly requires the use of effective digestive enzymes to support the body with optimal nutrient availability. Today, my first choice for enzyme solutions to healing, optimizing digestion, helping my clients and my body recover from exercise more efficiently are Bioptimizer's excellent products. Bioptimizer's products are at the cutting edge of health science and ideal for supporting your digestion, metabolism, assimilation and elimination that means you get more from your food your supplements you heal faster and perform better Bioptimizer's enzymes also aid recovery from training and their capex enzymes help stimulate your metabolism naturally and are very very helpful for people with metabolic syndrome living 4d listeners save 10 percent on any order by using the code paul 10 that's capital p lowercase a u l 10 on checkout Go to B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com and check out their amazing product line. And remember to get your 10% discount off all purchases. Use the code capital P, lowercase A-U-L 10 on checkout. Listen to my episode number 55, Wade Lightheart. You'll meet the co-founder of Bioptimizers and you'll find a lot of wisdom in this guy and you'll learn all about the science of enzymes and many of the great Bioptimizers products. Enjoy Bioptimizers products, and as always, I'd love to hear your feedback. And one of, as a side note, one of the things that I noticed about the medical system working in it for so many years is, is in having taken thousands and hours of training and advanced training with doctors and therapists of all types, and I've posted this question to them before. I say, you know, here's a question I have for you. Why is it that everything you're presenting to me here is research based on sick, broken people? How is it that you study sick people to figure out how to get them healthy 
when you should be studying healthy people so you know what you're trying to create. Because ultimately, it's like not having a dream, goal, or objective. And so what the objective becomes is just to get rid of people's pain, but they don't learn anything about how they created it, and they don't know what it takes to make health. So really what I did, seeing that all the way back probably in my 20s, actually in my early 20s, was going, you know, you know, I was raised on a farm. You don't function this way. My father knew what a healthy animal was. And whenever an animal wasn't healthy, his first question is, what is going on with this animal that's stopping it from being healthy? And how do I get it healthy again? Not just how do you get it to stop limping or how do you get the barbed wire out of its stomach or whatever is going on or, you know, get the parasites out of its body. If there's parasites in an animal's body, it means there's something going on in the soil or the environment Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed or the cow's got some kind of, uh, you know, stress problem and it's not digesting well, but there's always, even in farming, there's an awareness of what you're trying to do with the animals and the crops. But when I got into medicine, there was no model for that. They kept focusing on what was wrong, what was wrong, what was wrong, and they had no pathway to get people back. That's why I said, how can you do orthopedic rehabilitation without looking at people's diet, without looking at their lifestyle, and without looking at their relationships? Nobody leaves their divorce, their bank accounts, their children, their stress at the front door of the gym or on, on the rugby pitch yeah, or so whatever, true. or the tennis court. And people looked at me like I was nuts. Like, we don't have time to do that. Well, look, this person's been here for 163 visits of physical therapy with SI joint pain. And I rehabbed them in six visits. You want to know why? I asked them, what are they doing that's causing the pain? Now, a lot of physical therapists ask that, but they shy away from the deeper questions like, are you happy in your relationship? Or do you like your job? You know? So without going on a deep tour of of psychology, the point is, is that most people don't hold the focus of what they really want. They focus on what they don't want, but don't look at how they keep recreating it, which is why I love Arnold Patton's universal principles. And in one of them, he says, if you don't like what's happening in your life, look carefully at what you're creating unconsciously. Mm-hmm. What's the questions? Yeah. What questions we're constantly asking ourselves. And to me, it's like how, how to, how to ask better questions and how yeah. to, how to look at myself in a, in a different way. And, it's interesting. It, it seems, and it's that common. It feels like common sense to me, Paul. I don't know about you, but well, it, it does to me. It, yes, it seems like. But I was raised by parents with common sense. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe I was too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, in, in this day and age, and the way the uh, education systems and different things seem to be pushing and yeah, moving, it's not about questioning, about asking the right questions, and it's about, particularly, you know, when you're looking at at for profit based health and whatnot, which isn't honestly a bad thing, but you, the focus seems to shift purely and solely onto money. Yes. Which is, you know, a very poor focus yes. in regards to getting someone healthy or yeah. being successful in life. Or even right now, there's a, so many people out of work and there's so many people, you know, freaked out mm-hmm. uh, and behaving the ways they normally wouldn't behave. I live in an apartment complex down in the village, just two blocks from the beach. And two weekends ago, the downstairs neighbors, they were having a massive screaming match. And the guy threw all his girlfriend's stuff out onto the, onto the footpath and was screaming like, you know, you don't pay rent in here and blah, blah, blah. Now, they're really decent people. They're not bad people right i guess they're all they are all out of work they're in a small apartment they've kind of been they're in a pressure cooker yeah so the thoughts that they have are being magnified in that situation yes and that's the outcome 
yeah. um, and it's not meant as a judgment or a criticism, but just more an observation of how, when I see that, I ask myself, well, where am I doing those sorts of things in my life yes. and how is that blocking me? Yeah. Because it's the questions that I ask mm-hmm. myself and ultimately that filter that I'm seeing the world through, that whole thing of, you know, when I used to do the the rehab with clients, the, the, the difficult pain clients would yes. come in and I would get them to sit down mm-hmm. and look around the room and I would say to them, look, I want you to look around the room and see everything that's black as hard as you can and quickly because in a moment I'm going to get you to shut your eyes and ask yourself, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. So, okay, look around, keep looking around. and Okay, now shut your eyes. And I would say to them, now I want you to tell me everything in my room or in this clinic here that's pink. Right. And they go, oh, you're trying to trick me. And it was, it was like, I'm not trying to trick you. And I would leave pink and yellow and different things around the, the, the clinic. And I was just say it's really more through what I went through, through myself as well to show that reality is not reality. It's purely the filter or the lens that we're it looking is. through through the mind. Yeah. So if I've got a black filter on my eyes, all I see is black. Mm. black. But look at that beautiful pink over there and that nice fuchsia. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the – has been one of the challenges and one of the traps. Mm-hmm. But paradoxically with what's going on now, I think it's also – I'm kind of excited because it, it's, it's putting all that shit, for want of a better word, in our faces yes. to show us what we're thinking. And we're seeing it with the practitioners, different people we're working with. So a lot of guys and girls are coming to us and saying, hey, how do we do this? Right. We recognize there's, there's got to be a different way. Right. And, you know, that's that point of being able to be open and ask a question and look at my future can be different. Yes. And I think also trusting you see, one of the reasons that having some kind of spiritual practice and having four doctors in your life is those four doctors, as you know, meet the, the, the foundation needs of a healthy body. So if a person doesn't do things that are happy making, doesn't move their body, doesn't eat for their body's needs and doesn't get enough rest, the body's always in a state of stress, which produces biological fear. Mm. So that fear bubbles up into their conscious mind. They don't know why they're anxious or why they're nervous or scared but they don't realize it's because their body's anxious nervous or scared just like your dog would be if you forgot to water it or feed it for a few days it would be scratching at the walls and acting like a crazy animal and 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 so you know people would take it to a psychiatrist and give it a pill and not feed yep. it in our culture yep but what i'm saying is if in, in, in one of my one of my heroes david bohm quantum physicist david bohm he says no man can do effective thinking without a healthy ritual to ground him you, you know, you have to get past the survival basics. And the point I'm making is, is when you can put the basics into practice so that they become natural ways of living to you, then what happens is it creates a baseline level of relaxation that allows your mind to actually open. It's like opening the sunroof in your car on a sunny day. Instead of feeling all confined and stuffy, you now have the whole sky above you and the sun shining through. And that's how intuition arrives. But whenever you're focused on fear, what you don't want or how bad things are or how much money you don't have, you're not only keeping the sunroof closed, you're farting in the car and and keeping the windows closed and, and calling that a normal day. And so if we keep ourselves... So that we say, what would I love to do now? And as you know, you did my PPS Mm -hmm. lessons. I created those PPS success mastery lessons because they're the 12 most common things I saw stopping people from healing and accomplishing their dreams, goals, and objectives as athletes, as business people, as as everybody. Well, I still use that today. And that's 
part of what sometimes I ask, I, I sort of think from a point of view of curiosity, not from an ego point of view, egotistical point of view, like, wow, how am I managing all this stuff? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it seems pretty crazy, you know, with everything that's going on. Without those rituals, I wouldn't be able to. I live two blocks from the beach because the ocean is part of what I have to have. I know whenever yes. I'm away from the ocean, my health is not as good. I get up every morning and I go for a walk along the beach. I meditate. I do some qigong now. That the water is warmer because I've gotten real soft coming out and living in Southern California. Yeah. Um, so I go out and body surf. And at particular times of the day, I'll stop and I'll get out midday and get some sunshine on me. Yes. You know, if I don't, and I, during COVID with the lockdown, you know, I started to get a bit feral because we got a lot, we had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. We did the, we had a whole big launch for the, the rebuild of the platform from scratch and we did some, uh, some stuff for uh, trainers for that. And we were also on the, at the same time upgrading our current platform, et cetera. And it's very easy because I was now, I work from home. I usually go out to cafes or restaurants to eat, to work if they've got Wi-Fi and socialize in the gym. Mm. And it was, it's amazing how, even with all they do and I've done, how seductive the computer is. Right. And before I know it, I'm in there all day or I haven't left the house for a couple of days. Right. Um, and I would really feel it. You know, I was getting pretty pretty feral. Yeah. Um, I even started cutting my own hair, <laughs> which wow. I don't have a lot of. But, um, you know, it, it's being able to keep those rhythms going. Yeah. And so now, you know, it was a reminder. And look, I didn't really let much slip, but it was a reminder to see, wow, interesting to see the impact that has. And one of the challenges I had to overcome, I think partly from Western culture and also, you know, uh, religions as well, yes. that martyrdom of, well, actually, no, it's okay. Like I have the routine that I, of how I work and I work when I work. Yes. I don't work <laughs> regular hours. No. I go to, when I'm at the gym, people are like, dude, what do you do? And I, it's like, you never work or whatever. Actually, I work quite hard. Yeah. But it was learning to separate. Give yourself what you need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what that yeah, concept. Exactly. And that's, you know, what you're saying is amazing. And that's that, that first step is, is choosing because I like that, that concept or that statement of I choose to rather I want to, I need to, I must. Or I have to. You never to. do it. I have to. I choose to. It's actually happening now in the present and I'm actually making that choice. Yeah. Marshall Rosenberg says, I have to are the words of a child. I choose to are the words of an adult. Yeah. And the point that I wanted to throw in there is that, you know, in a situation, and you and I have both been through many, you know, COVID's really just a sort of a social enactment of, a, of the kind of crisis we've been through with losing financial supporters, losing staff, uh, you know, remember 2008 yeah, that was almost killed time. me in the Institute. I get $700,000 in debt. I was like, you know, I'd already been through a bankruptcy. There was no way of that. I and mean, not that I would ever want to do that. But the point is, I only had one choice, figure it out. Me and yeah. Penny had to figure it out. And we did. And within a year and a half, we were in the green again. And many, many, many businesses went out. Well, yeah, we launched. We went from <laughs> there were crazy times. We went from the subscription used to be annual contracts. Right. We went from annual contracts. We also went from charging in Australian dollars to US dollars because our business was growing so much. And that was the time when the US dollar tanked. Right. So I can totally relate because going from a sale being uh, you know, $1,100, $1,200 a sale to $100 a sale because wow, yeah. you're going from annuals to monthlies. Yeah. I, t I totally can appreciate that. And it's, it's that thing is that you, you, we do, you, you figure it out. Yes. And, and, but if... A lot of that comes from thoughts, though. If I've got th thoughts that are inhibiting me from doing that, and also thoughts that are disconnecting me from who I really am, right? And from that 
from God inside and the forces that are coming through me, yes. it makes it really challenging because how do I get my, out of my own way when I don't know that I'm in my own, um, own way because I'm that thing again, I'm thinking I'm the, the pilot of the plane yeah. as opposed to being the plane. Right. Uh, and that's, I think, one of the challenges for people. But even just asking that question, because I always, you know, you think, well, how do I do it? Well, isn't just asking the question that starts. It, it, you, the moment you ask the question, you step from being blended with the experience yeah, you're, to you're, the observer. Yes, you go from you know? being entangled to observing. And you're witnessing. And, and that <clears throat> witnessing, it, it's interesting because I often, sort of, and worked, you know, working with a lot of clients, I work with chronic pain people and they all had depression or anxiety. So I did a lot of studies in psychology and different things. And we had a great psychologist that we, because I had that a multiplicity group, you know, that I work with kind of yes. like you did yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know it's it, it it's being able to get in and actually separate from those thoughts that are going on, and actually in those moments asking yourself a question and recognizing that that thought is it's driving my vision of what I'm seeing, mm-hmm. but what I'm seeing isn't necessarily isn't real. Right. So being able to stop and go, okay, even from an anxiety point of view. Huh. What have I mean? Th- what am What am I thinking? That's making me anxious, or or even how can I? What can I think of that might feel good, or might feel or, comfortable, or, or you know? is it really true? Yeah, well, exactly. Because yeah, yeah. you know, as I shared with Laird Hamilton, and we had him and I did an incredible three-hour podcast yesterday, and and we talked a lot about fear. Because as you're going to ride, as imagine <laughs> surfing a 110 foot wave can bring up fear out of you. You know, <laughs> scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like uh, what is it? Eleven stories. So. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if Laird, um, if Laird's not careful, it, the, those things can hold gender for three and a half, four minutes because you're pushed down under the, by the massive amount of water. So it's tons of he, it, yeah. he gets hurt down there. You can, he'll be dead. But th- we were talking a lot about fear. And so, you know, I tell people, look at all the times in your life that you were scared to death and you acted irrationally, you ended relationships, got out of business deals, and it turned out not to be what you thought it was. Or you thought your partner was cheating on you and you got all wound up and freaked out and started spying on them and found out you were wrong or whatever. Um, so the, the the thing is, is that we, we, you know, and I quote Zig Ziglar who says, fear is often false evidence appearing real, but that goes back to our programming and how our parents lived and how our culture functions. And so if we don't, you know, as Jung says, the average man can never be successful because by definition, you're average. So if you really want to be successful at everything, you got to stop acting like an average person mm. and stop thinking like one and have more trust and more faith and more commitment to yourself and to the process. The, the key I was driving at earlier is that the, the one thing that has kept me going, and I think you too, is that I, I do what I do because it's what makes me feel like I'm sharing love and getting love. And I feel that if I stick to doing what I love to do, that I get to go to work every day and it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel like a labor that's unsustainable. It's, it's kind of like when a woman gives birth, yes, it's going to be painful and there can be great risks to it. Most people would never take that kind of pain unless they had a tremendous love for the child. And so when a person's going through a crisis and they're having to reinvent themselves, you know, PPS success mastery lesson one shows you the 10 components of a dream or a legacy. 
And you, there's key things you really have to say, well, what, what would I love to do right now if I could do whatever I wanted to do? If you wanted to make quilts, then quit telling yourself you can't make quilts. Start making quilts. If you want to be a painter, start painting. If you want to whatever, build. A, you, you, the question is not whether you can or can't do it. The question is, what do you love enough to do to really put your heart and soul in it? Because then your spirit's invested in it. And then you become magnetic, and as we both discussed, you start drawing people to you, and all of a sudden, angels show up, and it seems like miracles, and one day you realize the whole universe was conspiring. It was just waiting for you to stop playing poor me. (laughs) Get out of your own way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's real questions to ask. What do I love to do? Where do I want to be? How much money do I want to make? How much responsibility am I genuinely willing to accept? for the amount of money that I want to make. A lot of people want lots of money with no responsibility, but I got news for you. Those two don't work without each other. Where there's lots of money, there's lots of responsibility. And on a number of levels, and a number of levels, I think perhaps people don't necessarily consciously appreciate till they get there as well. Right. What kind of people do I want to work with? What kind of environment do I want my work environment to be? Do I want to be uh, controlled by some boss somewhere? Uh, you know, do I want to be in an environment that's got chemicals in it? Do I want to have an environment that allows me time to exercise? Most people don't really think about what it is they really would love to do because they're too conditioned to do what they think they have to do to make money, which usually done. came by way of their parents' influence or some school teacher telling you, oh, you'll never make it as a musician or you'll never make it as an athlete. And so I think if people really... Look, it's, it's far more fun to recreate yourself than it is to commit suicide or become a victim, right? In my books, yeah. And I, you know, I honestly can say I came very close to committing suicide a couple of times in my life. Well, you, very, you very had close, reason you know? to. Um, I mean, I, I remember how bad you were. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's that thing, as you talk about, that gift. And, and there's, even in those darkest times, there were angels that were sent to me mm-hmm. and that would create enough space to... Just have that separation. Hi, everybody. I'm not sure how familiar you are with minerals and trace minerals, but minerals are important to our body for many, many functions. And minerals and trace minerals also help regulate our hormonal system. And one of the products that I've been using for many years is Shilajay Minerals. But when I got a hold of Chervine's Shilajay from Symbiotica, it was a total notch above anything I've ever tried. So I've got Chervine here to tell us what's special about his Sheila J and how to use it. You know, Sheila J is, uh, you can pronounce it any way you want. I like Sheila J. It makes me want to dance a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the actual product makes me want to dance. Good. I take it on the rise. You know, it's at the center point of Ayurveda. It's, you know, a collection of fulvic minerals, soil, decomposition of plant material. So you're getting all the minerals and it, you're getting it the way Mother Earth provided it and the right. way we can absorb it. And so the way I look at that, it's instant energy and it reduces acidosis across the body. So if you want to reduce and chelate acids out of the body, Shilajit is pretty much the answer and the solution to that. And, you know, it's probably our best seller right now. Everybody's, you know, doing rituals with it on the rise and they're using it throughout the day. It makes for a really good, you know, tonic. It's delicious. Once your body starts getting acclimated to it, the flavor starts to kick in. And, you know, if you're a coffee drinker, if you're a matcha drinker, if you're a tea drinker, this is a really good balancer to keep your body nourished of what you need. Because most people drinking coffee, they're pouring acids onto an already acidic body. This is a good way to balance that out through the minerals. And if you're not eating certified organic food from good soils, you're eating mineral deficient food. 
And the minerals in Shila J are very important for our skin, our nails, and our hair, which a lot of people have problems with. So I think this is a great product across the board for anybody. And our jing, right? So we are mineral deficient. Yeah. Our foods have been dilapidated, right? It's yes. like Franken foods, right? Shilajit is mineralizing you to the blood, to yep. the bone. And if you're a man, you're really going to feel it. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, good. I'm sure the women will <laughs> like that. So um, get your jing yes. with your Shilajit. And jing, you know, that means your, your juice, your life force, boys. And uh, the nice thing about Shili J is it does not take much at all. No. Uh, a serving is tiny. It's very potent stuff. So it's not like you have to use a lot. It'll last you for quite a while. So go to Symbiotica, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And on checkout, to get your 15% discount, use the code CHECK15, all caps, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15. And remember, check out all their other products because your discount works right across the board. Enjoy. Well, you were hey. an angel to me too, because you said to me, you sat me down in your investor's place in Sydney, I remember, and you said, Paul, I want to show you something. If you'll get behind this with me, I'm going to help you create some residual income that'll create stability for you. You help me with your intellectual property and letting people know about the system and help me grow it. And let me show you the numbers. And you showed me, look, if we can grow this thing, by looking at numbers of, you know, and, and people taking memberships and how much it would produce at a certain scale and look what it's done. And that was, for me, it's always been, and I think we have share a very similar belief there and how we were attracted or were brought to each other. For me, no matter what I went through, I always felt that it was going to some greater good for it. And it was to help someone. And I would, I would often not know what I'd be doing next as a career or where things were moving, but I would get a, a feeling of a sense of change. But it would always be about helping and supporting and, and, and whatnot. And so the business, when it, when it started, it was to help you, to have a, a income for you, help the institute. Yeah, also help that. Thank you. Help, you know, the practitioners and the institute, obviously – it's such detailed information and I would go to a course and I would come away with a folder full of notes. Half of them I couldn't read, the other half would have challenges understanding because <laughs> um, I'm not a great writer. <laughs> um, and it was about helping practitioners have a, a better learning experience and have tools to continue to develop and evolve and then pass it on to the client as well to have a better life, mm -hmm. to have systems and be able to automate marketing and do all sorts of different things in their businesses so they use that time, whatever they want to do, whether it's grow their business or go out and play with their kid and, and help all the way through, even the investors in the company. And when the staff come on and when they talk to them and I, I say to them, like, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing who you become because for this to go where it's going to go and it's a beast it's not mine it's not my business i that was the thing that beat me up the most and that's probably what saved me was when i learned to say the business rather than my business right because when i was saying my business it owned my ass right and it yes. beat the hell out of me yeah i've been through that when i would come and now i say the business because it's a living entity it is a living energy. breathing being and it's going to go where it's going to go. Right now, I've got the privilege of being the steward of the ship, mm -hmm. but that may not carry on. And, and I would say to my staff, or the staff, um, there's my ego coming in again. Yeah, <laughs> say to the staff, look, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to see who you become. And also, because it's about your journey as well. Mm -hmm. So what we can do to support you. And if at a certain point in time, you're 
journey is going to go in a different direction. Let's agree on how you're going to sack my ass or how we're going to sack each other in that moment in time. Mm -hmm. Because the goal in our, is that for our lives is to where we're going to move. So at a point in the business's journey may not be the right direction for you and your journey. Right. And I, I'm going to support that and encourage it. So let's agree on before we even start working with each other on how we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been amazing to see just how this beast and where it goes and the different, the crazy things that happen. Like I couldn't have made any of this happen if I was trying. Right. And that's probably. Well, I couldn't have made the technology happen, even though you didn't uh, come into this with technology as a skill set. Um, you, you took it on just like I had to take on the whole concept of learning how human beings work and what to do Which with them. Huge. <laughs> and that was a big undertaking and it still is. I mean, I still study every day pretty much and practice and, you know, that's the thing when you're doing what you love to do. It's fun. The growth is a natural process. When you're not doing what you love to do, all you can think about is how quickly you can get out of work to go start living or you have to medicate yourself to get into an alternate real reality. You need to get stoned or you need to get, um, you know, drunk or something to shift out of this mundane reality. And that's what drives a hell of a lot of addictions. But when we... My, my point that I was getting at is that you came to me with a tremendous set of problems and I had done the work to become the person that would inspire you to become the person that you were next to become, which is a highly skilled Czech professional, which gave you the chances to see how the intellectual property that I developed could be made more available and help people with management designing programs, which allows them to do more of what they love to do and automates and makes easier the parts of the job that they usually don't do well but can cripple their business and help them grow the business. So the paradox of it is, is that we both angeled each other. I supported you to get healthy and, and develop a career that led to your awareness of what you could do, which then supported me with residual income that got me through a lot of hard times. There's been a couple of times where we're both broke. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, Gary, can Damn. I have a pay, can I pay me this money? I'm sorry, Paul. I'm broke too. I'm like, all right. It's, it's, it's true though, isn't it? And, it? and it's interesting to see just being able to the, – the, what I hear through all this is the fun. And it is fun. I still enjoy what I'm doing. Me too. Yeah. I, after 13 – yeah, I knew nothing about software. I was, I, I was passionate about – strength training and weightlifting. You know, I used to weigh 260 pounds yeah. and did all sorts of crazy stuff and enjoyed all that and was passionate about it. And I love it. And that's why I do what I do because you've been in the industry a lot longer than me. I've been about 20-something years now with practicing and, and, and software. It's what an amazing industry to be in, the health and the fitness industry, and, and get up and be able to help people every day. And that's the secret, isn't it? I mean, think about it. When do you feel the most love? When I'm helping people. When you're helping somebody, yeah. right? Yeah. When, and because what's the truth of us? The truth of us is that we're not separate. The truth of us is that we're really all the same that created the world and the universe because ultimately our consciousness comes from that which is a priori to our body. In other words, if it's obvious looking out the window that it takes creative intelligence not only to create a universe but to keep it from just colliding into itself. Yeah. So we can say there has to be consciousness involved or there wouldn't be harmony and there wouldn't be obvious design, right? There's, look at your human body. Yep. I mean, how do you even begin to fathom the level of technology it would take to create a living biological Mind organism <laughs> that can reproduce itself, make love, solve problems, 
fly to the moon, build advanced technology when, you know, the closest thing to us is a chimpanzee that's still in a cage eating peanuts and swinging from rafters, you know, without getting into all the ways that might have happened. But when you look at like, okay, how does something like this happen? How does the universe happen? Well, obviously, there's an exquisite level of consciousness and creativity that's innate to us because it created us. So if you if you look around you at the majesty and the mystery and the beauty of life and of nature, you can give yourself a pat on the back and say, I am that. So maybe my problems aren't that bad because look, Mother Earth has been blasted to shit with nuclear bombs, with uh, asteroid strikes, with solar flares. I mean, this, yeah, the history of this planet is one of some serious ass kickings and she's not complaining. So at the end of the day, if we say, wait a minute, I am that, and I am that tough, and I am that capable, and when, I know you know this too, you get to the point where you realize, like here I am in my dream home, on my dream property. Amazing. I'm, you know, almost 60 years old now. I worked my ass off for, you know, my whole career, which has been 36 years now, and I look back at it, and I couldn't be nearly as in awe, respect, and grace and gratitude as I am if I hadn't have been through the times when I was broke, didn't know what the hell I was going to do, had to work my ass off, had to fly back and forth to Australia in cattle car seats feeling like shit because my body was killing me and eating crap and having my food taken away and fighting with flight attendants and, you know, whatever. And so when you when you really get into the river of life and say, I'm going to swim this thing. And if it gets too intense for me, then I'm just going to have to trust great spirit to pull me through the rapids. Mm. And you stick with what you love to do and, and, you know, be fair to people, be honest with people and be someone worth being around instead of a Royal pain in the ass. Then you see the angels come and you see the, the synchronicities happen and you you know the kind of the strange and weird thing is we wouldn't be sitting here having the conversation that is the basis of what's now helping how many people are using had, pt enhanced we've had thousands on it and we've probably got about with trainers and clients tens of thousands on now yeah, you know, yeah. so you know thousands and thousands of people wouldn't have that opportunity if it wasn't for the fact that you took it upon yourself to heal your pain even when you got told it was all in your head and nobody was able to help you and i wouldn't have been able to help you if i didn't all of a sudden realize i feel most happy when i'm helping people and for some reason god gave me a gift and the gift is i seem to be able to see what most smart people can't see because like you, I've got a ninth grade education. I was raised on a farm and I had to pay attention to the things you had to pay attention to or you starved to death, you killed your animals, you lost your plants. And, you know, when you have those kind of pressures on you, you don't have time to be educated in things that don't work or that are just making rich people richer, reading textbooks that are way outdated. You'll die doing that. And it, it's, it, you just, I always say to people, well, not always, but often is, and that was one of the things that, for some reason, used to go through my head all the, a lot of when I was younger and going through the stuff I was going through, was that I don't know how that, what's where I'm going to be, where am I going to, wow, where am I going to be in ten years? Yeah, because I think you know, thirteen years ago when I started this, no one was doing this in the world. 
we were the first people in the world doing this stuff. Right. And I remember, you know, people saying that you had rocks in your head and blah, blah, blah. And I go now thinking of what I see as challenges and stresses and worries now. And it's like, like dude, like, why are you worrying? Because who knows where you're going to be in another 10 years? Right. You have no idea. No. Trusting source and trusting that all of us have within us that source which allows us to be capable to meet our needs no matter what we need to be doing. Yes. Um, so who knows what I'll be doing and also being open to change. I think, you know, that, that whole aspect of they people would say, oh, the weak will inherit the world or the meek, sorry, will inherit, meek the world, inherit the world or the strong. To me, it, it, it's never been that. It's the, it's the person that's most adaptable to change mm-hmm. because the only constant in life is change. Yeah. And it's, I've gone through a whole phase of that again over the last year or two myself. You know, I'm into my 50s now. And at different times, I've been so comfortable with change. And, and you go through all these different periods and different, different, have different challenges in life and different things that come in front of you, which is another opportunity to either heal that part or see that part of whatever, yeah. you know, the ego is there and re-engage with being open to the possibility of change because that aspect of my ego tends to want a security and oh, security yeah. is what Everyone's I does. what I knew. The ego is totally interested in what it thinks it can control. Yeah. And if Any I, risk, and there's the process, right? Our culture is so brainwashed into thinking, oh, if I just invest this much money, in six months, I'll have this. In three years, I'll have this. Well, the stock market crash really, you know, when the 2008 stock market crashed, uh, the day after it crashed, I got calls from four Czech practitioners in different countries, and all of them had had clients that committed suicide because they lost so much money in the stock market. Yeah. So the point is, is you see, their model of reality, which came from a Western academic, or you could call it a Western academic institution, is if you put this much in, you'll get this much out. And I kept telling people, you're missing a key thing in the middle. Input, process, output. And then I quote Hegel. First, you have a thesis, an idea. Then you have to go through the antithesis, which is all the things that are in the way of the idea, such as does my widget work? Can I have, do I have enough supplies? Will my suppliers, is the materials going to stand up to the test? Well, is it safe for people to use? That's the process, right? That's the R&D part that people keep forgetting about. But that's where where our real growth and development comes. That's what brings us into contact with intelligent people that have answers to questions we don't, that builds relationships, that lead to more relationships. And, And so, you know, even if you're scared, broken, alone, if you're someone that's loving and honest and supportive to the best you can be, you always will find people that will support you. You and I both know that so for sure. True. Yeah. But if you just turn into a sag sack, sad sack, pain in the ass, poor me crybaby, nobody wants you around because everybody's already got enough problems with children in the world. And it's a very unattractive energy and it, it repels, is. you know. Yeah, it's the victim, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, my point is if you're out there right now in this whole pandemic and it seems like you've hit the bottom. Just do what you can do that you love to do yeah. and go be with people that have answers to the questions. And if you like to rub feet, rub feet. If you want to mow lawns, mow lawns. I mean, I remember when I was a soldier in the military, we were so damn broke because, you know, on a private salary, my I had my wife and kid and I had to live off post and they would only, 
they, they, I didn't have enough rank to get any money to live mm -hmm. off post. You were supposed to live on post, but because I was married, they let me live off post. And so we were broke usually about three days or four days before every paycheck. And we just realized we have to go mow lawns or, or, mm -hmm. or do something. So we just um, saved up a few pennies, talked to some of the soldiers that I knew, borrowed a lawnmower, borrowed a rake and a couple of shovels. And we started um, going out and cleaning yards and landscaping on the weekend just so we had enough money to put gas in the cars and go to a movie once in a while and feel yeah. like we could live. I remember when Paul Jr. was a little boy who was out cleaning yards with us. And it was just to keep us alive, right? And you do what you got to do. You got, yes, yeah. you do. And, and you know, the thing is, is, it brought us into a deep sense of connection with each other because we were working to support and love each other. Yeah. So the point I'm making is if a person just falls into the crisis, says poor me, and then drinks and drugs themselves into numbness, then you need only go to the bathroom and look in the mirror to find the real problem. Yeah. Yeah. But if you say, okay, challenge equals opportunity, now's my chance to deepen my faith. Now's my chance to really ask, is it true? Yeah, and it starts with that first question. Yes. Because yeah. I, I, through what I've been through, I've been some very, very, very dark holes where I couldn't see a light. And just asking the question, well, could there be a light? Yeah. Was enough to create a little bit of a spark. And mm -hmm. as you, I think, you know, so wisely say there, is this true is a huge question. Yeah. And the other one I, I love from uh, Byron Katie is yes. that, you know, what if the opposite's true? <laughs> yeah exactly. so could the opposite be true yeah. so i'm and that can, that's a, a nice way i've found to soften my attachment to a particular thing my ego's hanging on to is by asking the question well this is terrible well could the opposite be true well actually it, the opposite could be true yeah and so then that just starts to open and and stops that blending because what i've seen with people that are in the darkest places it's hard to separate from the thought yeah you know from a young age i've sort of always questioned my thoughts and when I was in my early 20s I moved to Canada and I was in, in charge of construction renovating high-rise apartment buildings and a buddy of mine who I met in the gym was a, a philosopher and he wrote books and stuff and one of his books had a quote in it and the quote was everything I think I know could be wrong yeah and it wasn't to not not have any beliefs but it, mm. it to me it meant question my beliefs hold them onto loosely enough that I can meet you or someone else and you can challenge my beliefs mm -hmm. which can help and shift and shape and change yes so I always sort of from in my early 20s thought you know don't believe all my thoughts and, and I'm not who I think I am right so it's in turn being able to get that separation from being completely blended because if I don't mm -hmm. now I every thought I have is who I am and my reality yeah the person that believes their thoughts the name for that is the encapsulated ego in other words, you don't get outside your own illusions of yourself, which include your thoughts, right? Yeah. Low self-esteem. That's, that's a person who's believing their thoughts, not looking into their potentials and not willing to say, well, I made it this far. What, what have I learned and how can I use that to create something more beautiful? And, you know, there's an old saying, my dad used to say this, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Osho says there's no such thing as a sin except doing something twice when you were sure it didn't work the first time. Point being is if, if we've lived certain ways and we have certain belief patterns and thinking patterns or even religions or isms, like look at all the people that screw themselves up with their isms of diet, then we can look at ourselves and say, okay, wait a minute. Can I, is this really working for me? And what's a bigger question? And where can I go from here? Mm -hmm. What have I learned? 
who knows more than me? I mean, there's so many yeah. options and all those options ultimately create new relationships. And it's, it's that letting go, that aspect, because that analogy of, you know, there's a lot of anger often attached to those feelings and emotions. And I had a lot of anger. You know, I've had 16 major surgeries, including a full facial reconstruction, a spinal fusion. And it's cost me over a quarter million dollars. Yeah. That's a shitload of money. Yes, and, and parts of me, have, I've had to work through anger around that because it was like, you know, why me, blah, blah, blah. And I can see how people get caught in that. But when you get stuck there, that anger, anger is, I think, is a positive emotion mm -hmm. because anger is energy and it prompts change. Sure and it, it does, yeah. prompts a But if we hold on to that anger, it becomes resentment. Yeah. And resentment's like swallowing poison and expecting your enemy to die. Yeah. And I think there's that vicious sort of circle and it begins with that with a simple question, you know. And yeah. I would with clients or even myself at times in the most stressful situations, I had a meditation I was introduced to, which was my what are my feet doing now meditation. Yeah. Like life's so shitty. Let me just figure out what are my feet doing now? And it just pulls me out of my head. Yeah. Brings me down. Okay, I can feel my feet in my jandals, which you call flip-flops. Mm -hmm. And Australians call thongs. Yeah. <laughs> Funny yeah. enough. Um, and it just kind of brings me back to that presence. And and you know, all of us, I, I can be quite right and also quite left brain so I can get stuck in my head and when I've been in my dark, deepest darkest depressions was I've had a lot of them over the years mm. and have been quite close to suicide a couple more than once yeah. you know it was part of the what was getting got me through that aspect was that <sighs> just take a breath and wow could it be possibly get better yes and no, that answer can never be no because the future is not written right and it's unknown. So I'm, how can I answer that question as no, honestly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you can't unless you're in a victim archetype or you're just conditioned that way. And if you're conditioned that way, pain will get great enough. You know, they say um, a broken heart allows your love to pour out. So some of us are so in, encapsulated and, and, and crystallized in our ways of being that we need to get broken to let our juices flow again. And so, you know, for those of you listening, pain is actually um, a very important part of our conscious awakening. The, the, but having to have the same pain twice is really up to you. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be who I am without pain. And, you know, I can honestly say the majority of the time through the, all those years, I was, you know, in a space of believing that it was for a greater purpose and, and seeing and looking for the gifts in it at times some of the dark times maybe not so much but it i wouldn't have the level of empathy and the level of compassion and i wouldn't be as an authentic and as a vulnerable person as i am because that pain it strips you oh, yeah. it strips you of the bullshit mm -hmm. and you know we still have that conditioning to some degrees and whatnot but it, it, it stripped a lot of that away from me because when you get when you've got everything taken away from you not just financially, but physically, yeah, and also mentally and emotionally. Because yeah, I was a byproduct of the traditional health medical system. By the time I came to you, yeah, at that age I was in my mid twenties, yeah. So it had really, you know, screwed with me, screwed with my thoughts and my head and, and whatnot as well. Yeah. But until you're broken, how can you ever fix? And as that process of 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 it's education and learning and growth mm. to be able to fix myself. And, yeah. You know, the, I read somewhere, which I thought was kind of cool. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was something like that. God is not 
that God does not want us to be comfortable. He wants us to grow, or he, she, it, whatever you want to call yeah. it, wants us to grow, yeah. and it's for our growth. So yeah. if we look at all these different things that are happening to us in life, sure, there's a lot of pain, but man, how much have I grown through it and how much have you grown through yeah. you know, all the various experiences that you've had? A lot. You know, uh, you know I had that really bad neck injury when that guy mm-hmm. fell on my head. You know, I tore several ligaments in my spinal column, in interspinous and intertransversary ligaments. I blew two discs out so bad they were pinching my spinal cord. My whole left side of my body went numb. Um, and then it started alternating left side and atrophied. I lost 26 pounds of muscle in four weeks. I didn't even know who I was anymore. It took me eight years to rehabilitate myself into this very day. I still have to be really careful uh, about how I exercise and um, eat and, you know, how, having the right pillow. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I have a very, very unstable neck, but I fortunately had the skill to get to the point where I can still, you know, deadlift, you know, comfortably 405 pounds. And, and you learn and do what you do. I mean, yeah. I, I obviously worked with you all those years. I've had a spinal fusion blew out, obviously C67 yeah. and got a herniation at C5 and all those different things as well. And it's like, I go to the gym as, and it's, to me, it's that same thing. Well, what, okay, I can't do this, but what can I do? Yeah. That's the surrounding you know? dragon. Technique. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I and, teach. With the times what we're going, you know, a lot of people are going through right now. That I think that's a big question to ask because I know it certainly helped me a hell of a lot. It's like, well, what can I do? And it's that thing talking about that thought process of focusing on what do you, what do I love? What can I do? Yeah. What am I enjoying? And continually asking the right questions. You know, is repetition and not attaching to negative thoughts are going to come back in. Yeah, you know, there's one thing we can always do. Aside from breathing and, and, you know, there's a variety of things, but the one thing we can always do is find out who has been through the kind of crisis we're, we're, we're going through. So who's had a bad neck injury and how did they get through it? Who's had a, a business collapse? How did they get through it? There's nothing that human beings have experienced that some other human being hasn't experienced. We're not that unique, are we? <laughs> no, you know, so... That's why I studied the biographies of over 100 and I imagine about 150 people now at least um, because I'm always just mind boggled at the kind of challenges that people like Picasso and Einstein and Madame Curie um, and uh, Thomas Edison. I mean, look, this guy took 10,000 tries to make a light bulb. How many people would have given up at 92 (laughs) or even nine, right? And so, you know, what you see is that... um, there's there's got to be some inherent spiritual value in the challenge of creativity in the challenge of succeeding in the challenge of of um becoming or it has no meaning i mean if it was easy to win an olympic gold medal then nobody would give a shit but if you look at all the challenges the pain the injuries the strife the financial burden that a world-class athlete has to go through to get there you really realize when that gold medal's on, they know they earned it and it means something and it's changed that soul forever. And it changes all of us watching it happen. So to kind of close up, Gary, where are you at with PT Enhanced now? Where can people learn more about it? And what is the offering? I know, you know, what what is it that for listeners that don't really understand what PT Enhanced is otherwise, other than a software system that allows you to manage your health and exercise type aspects of your business better, Give us a quick overview of what it is 
and what's available to them and where they should go look? Yeah, well, firstly, ptenhance.com. PT and then enhance all one word if you can understand my accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the letter, letter P, letter T, enhance, like personal trader enhance. Yeah, dot com. Uh, and we're super excited. We've just launched a, a whole upgrade of our current platform and we're starting the rebuild of a, a completely new platform from scratch with integrating a lot more tools, particularly in the sales and marketing arena. You know, the goal was always to give tools for health and fitness professionals and health coaching people. It's not just personal trainers or whatever. You know, the health coaching industry is growing a lot and, and there's a lot of need for digital support with that. So we have all sorts of different tools there already and we're integrating a lot more uh, for practitioners uh, moving forward over these next you know, next period of time. So they can easily just go to the website and we offer like a, you know, a free 14-day trial to get on and, and just see what it's all about. We've got a, we do weekly uh, lives with our Brandon who's our sales and manager and success coach we each week we do on Facebook and we it's not just about software it's about helping health and fitness professionals shift their mindsets into a different paradigm of mm -hmm. how they can generate different vertical revenue streams in their businesses and shift to a more scalable sustainable less vulnerable model for a health and fitness business yeah which uh, as we both know is critical today yeah well we've seen what i mean the industry has been decimated uh and yeah. you know and it's been cool a lot of our guys have been on the side we got guys that have been girls but been with us for 13 years mm -hmm. and their their businesses thrive through this one yeah. of the guys well you know cam now i, I yeah. spoke spoke to him the other day on the phone and he's been with us since day dot and yeah. it's been great to watch his progress he's yeah. gone from a just an average trainer to having you know multiple six-figure business and trainers working for him and stuff and different things and i said oh how's you you know how are you going he said funny you know i'm actually doing better than i was yeah um and he, he really didn't see any fall off because of how his business model was was uh, you know set up so that's really what we're about paul it's not just about software it's about that and helping you, you know and you have it set up so it works well on phones now right yeah yeah across all platforms ipads tablets desktops yeah. you know at yeah. a phone as well so you can pretty much do it across yeah. anything and everything and that's part of the you know technology growth you know whatever as technology moves when we started the iphone doesn't exist you know right. we launched in april of 2007 and the iphone came out september 2007 right um you know, you know the the other thing about about this um PT Enhanced platform is it literally lets you work anywhere you want to, anytime you want to. Totally. And it, it, what we wanted to do as well, and we, I took on the, I don't know whether to call it the burden, but to help, help a vision of our business is to help our customers or trainers, clients to have good businesses and lifestyles. Right. So we've spent a lot of time and money and partnered with some great people in the fields of sales and marketing. And we've put a lot of automation tools in there to help practitioners, not just picking up generating leads but also more nurturing those leads into becoming clients we have all sorts of different automations that they can put together for programs to you name it to help to start to interact with people because one of the things in our with the world nowadays with this digital interface we're exposed to so much information yeah. so it's really initially about even building a relationship yeah so you, we, you can automate stuff through software to start building a relationship with potential clients that doesn't cost you any time or money once you've set it up Plus, like things like reminder systems. Exactly. Remember to, you know, drink water. Remember to do your stretches. Yep. We got dot, dot, dot. It's, it's, there's a lot of, um, you know, the other thing too is because you spent so many years working in, you know, at ground level, coaching and guiding and being a therapist, and you got the help of uh, Czech professionals. Yep. Mark Latham would yep. help you. So you, the people that helped you build it were also down in the trenches. And so you ended up 
um, really coming from a place of deep knowledge and contact with what you were working from as the foundation, as opposed to somebody who just decides out of the blue, okay, I'm going to uh, open up a winery, but he used to be a mechanic, right? Yeah. So the point I'm making is you can tell when software is built by somebody that understands what they're making the software for versus software that was built by somebody who's got a concept, but they don't have any connection yeah, to it. So true. And, and for me, I think the journeys that I went through in life, the pain helped me to separate from my ego and my attachment to what I think it should be. And so it continues to evolve because we listen to our customers, listen to feedback and whatnot. And one of the in early things I had to do with the guys was help them separate their attachment to what was being built to be able to accept that when people start using stuff, you're going to get feedback and people are going to constantly give you feedback about things and really it's it's a beast that needs to grow. Yeah. So it's not about how I think it should be and that was the same thing with business and I have some great people around me and continue to connect with really great minds and it's not my way. It's about getting good advice and about listening to people yeah. and then making an informed, logical decision and having input. And that's kind of how this is – that's why I see it as a beast because it's not even really – it's software, but it's kind of this just this beast that I'm even now excited about all these different directions that it wants to grow. Yeah. So my job is to connect and help that grow and expand in that way. Yeah. Um, and that's in turn what you know a healthy business for a practitioner as well is about their client's growth. Yeah. And how to help them grow in the different ways. Well, what an amazing journey! I hope you guys listening have enjoyed it. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a true story. <laughs> it is true story. I got the, I got the scars to prove it. <laughs> yes, it's a very true story. And uh, as you've heard, Gary and I, you know, we grew up together in many ways. We've been through a lot of the same challenges, and you know, had to cry on each other's shoulders and both went through a midlife crisis at pretty much the same, same time, time. <laughs> and uh, looked at each other and said, what have we created here? <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I've created a monster. <laughs> but it's a monster of our own love. So we, you know, we trained the monster to be, uh, shall we say, a, a, a good partner. And um, so for those of you, just again, a reminder, you can go to ptenhance.com, have a look. And for those of you that aren't health and exercise professionals, what you can do is you can ask your trainer, if you're working one or your therapist, have you ever heard of ptenhance.com? There might be something there for you that could support you as their patient or their client. Mm -hmm. So there's another avenue and you might want to go there just to check it out because it might inspire you to realize what you're supposed to be doing with your life next. The number one thing we get from practitioners and trainers when they start is they go, shit, why didn't I do this years ago? Why haven't I come here before? Yeah. And it's like, well, everything happens at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, lots of love. Thanks to our sponsors for all their love and support. Remember, whenever you buy anything through the uh, ads and use your discount code, you're uh, supporting the podcast so that I can take the time and the energy and expend the resources to be able to get the guests, get them here, work with them, and uh, try to give you the, must, uh, the best education and entertainment that I can give you together. And thank you, Gary, for being a source of great education. And, um, you know, I'm, hopefully there was, it was entertaining. <laughs> well, thanks. I've had fun. Lots of love, everybody. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Gary Crozier. You can find Gary and PT Enhance on Facebook at PT Enhance. Gary also has an amazing gift for Paul's listeners. 
You can get a PT Enhance account for free for life at ptenhance.com forward slash check dash podcast. That gives you access to the PT Enhance resources and tools for one trainer with two clients. So visit ptenhance.com forward slash C-H-E-K dash P-O-D-C-A-S-T and sign up today. Don't forget to follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at Living4D Podcast or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and the Czech Institute's brand new streaming media site, chakiva.com.